Pinarongo a Papón Patoso cuando un elegante lo calzó de cero y te dieron luz de las patotas de agua allá por el año 900 el que era por leña vos y si te muera en una melanza de calle y vas inglés y monte a cara infinita borracho de calle loca de pero Dios se manda la real academia remontando cerros al final y se juega el reto la valiente anemia que pero el tranvía para su arrabal de ver al norte del lado del retiro Montparna se viene al Hello. <laughs> Hello, Chico. I think you're muted. I am? Wait, Why hold on. Not? I hear you coming out of my computer. <laughs> you're coming oh. out of the wrong part. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Again. There we go. <laughs> my headphones, my headphones. You're coming out of my oh, butt. Oh, no. How are you? I want to be there. Get me out of there. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I just got back from Annapolis. Did Joined you jump the Navy. in the pool today too? Mm. No. I taught a tango class this morning and then I jumped on the road. I was in that tango class, so I, <laughs> I think I was. Yeah, it was, yeah, really it was fun. fun. I didn't. I um, couldn't believe we pulled it off in 30 minutes. Yeah. And um, I couldn't believe I got up. <laughs> what time did you guys go to bed? Actually, we, we played it pretty cool. Like Oscar goes to bed early, which is great because then it makes me go to bed earlier. So even though he went to bed earlier than I and I still stayed up a little later, I was still in bed by like 1 or one thirty. Nice. Each night. So I was I was still up earlier than normal and in bed earlier than normal. So. Yeah, I was surprised you responded to me around nine thirty or ten. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. So, um, <laughs> but I had to drink a lot of coffee for the drive because I didn't want to stop on the way down. I drew, I stopped a lot. Uh, well, a lot. I stopped three times, and on the way up, I only stopped once for gas. So it took a lot oh, less nice. time. So it was like around four hours or something. Uh, yeah, a little less on the way back on wow. the way down i took my time it took like four and a half hours wow it's a big difference mm -hmm. and um 
What was that song you played? So, I'm glad you asked. Um, you know, I've been doing these classes with Horacio on Saturday nights. Mm -hmm. It's very inconvenient time. But um, it's an amazing class. And if you guys listening can get into one, I highly recommend. It's my third time doing the class. Uh, how do I say this? Um, this topic. Because he taught it in New York last summer and in Cleveland. And I did it weekend two back-to-back -back weekends. And now he's doing a seminar on Zoom. Um, but he keeps it very intimate. There's only eight or nine people in each seminar, which is nice because, you know, it's just more intimate. But um, he played some he played some versions of songs that he never plays. And this mm. was Corrientes y Esmeralda. And this was um, Piazzolla with Fiorentino singing. Wow. And he was just talking about he basically he he didn't he didn't play songs he doesn't normally play because that was the point of the class. He was playing songs that sound better in rhythmic bass of two as opposed to the rhythmic bass of four. Mm. And the Pugliese version of that song is in two. I and he see. says it doesn't make, he, for him, it doesn't sound right to be in four. Um, it was so. Piazzolla? Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. That's very yep. interesting. And, um... In the class, there is no dancing. You guys are listening to music. Like, do you get yeah. to listen to the whole songs and stuff? How does that go? Um, yeah. So, like, in the well, it's in the first few weeks, it was more of like going over uh, the top, the 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 topics of like what is the melodic bass, what is the melodic bass in four, what is that in two, and what is a bridge. Um, what is second melody and he played excerpts but then I don't think he was planning to make this an eight week session until mm -hmm. I think he was sort of working through it to see how long he wanted it to go and then at the end of the fourth week he said you know we're going to do four more weeks and then the next four weeks we're going to listen a lot more to music Nice. so now we spend yeah like we spend much more time listening to like a whole song and yeah, and then talking I about it when he did it in New York, like it was great, but it, uh, like I felt like I was taking notes the whole time, like to, and we weren't sitting and listening as long as like I would have loved to, because mm -hmm. it's limited amount of time, of course. Um, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I mean, he, it's only three days there, so he's got to get everything in he can. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so. I hope to do this too. I don't know if I'm going to be able to be in the August-September one, Puja. I'm glad you're in it. But hopefully the next one. Another really interesting resource that's out there, I think I mentioned this on an earlier podcast, um, Michael Lavoca does, I think through on SoundCloud, the, it's another podcasting uh, platform. I I got onto it from Facebook, but I think he might be uh, sharing it on SoundCloud. Right. So you don't have to listen live. You can listen later. But he does an episode each week on a different year, which mm -hmm. is really cool because, like, he just yeah. picks, like, I think he did, like, 35, 41, 42, 55. He picks, like, so far he's picked, like, all the major years. Yeah. And, and then I he just... Think... Mm -hmm. Sorry. I think it's Wednesdays, like, midday, like, 2.30 or something because he's in Europe, right? Yeah, so if you want to listen to it live, you can do it then. And then if not, you can just go to SoundCloud, SoundCloud. And, and download it or whatever. Is um, he the man who wrote the books that uh, on the Sarli and uh, mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah, that you were reading. Mm-hmm. I remember. So I haven't listened to too many of those episodes yet, but I want to get more. Yeah, I feel like here. right now it's a great time to just study the music with different maestros who know a lot and it also makes me you know I never really listened to tango music as a recreation because we did listen to it every night so I would never just like go I, whenever I would visit like a small town where we were teaching somewhere and people would pick us up at the airport they'd be playing tango music in the car and we would look at each other like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> like Paul that loser from Maine um, <laughs> <laughs> Who's gonna call in later? <laughs> no, I don't think he played tango music. I don't remember what Paul played in the car, actually. I don't think he did, cause like because he talks so much. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, I was gonna, you know, I was, I promised myself I was not gonna give him a hard time tonight, and I think. But it already started without happen. him God being damn here. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember the time he ran over a bike buggy? <laughs> Oh my god, yeah, we gotta bring that up later when he calls. Oh my god, yes. yes. (laughs) That was amazing. So, um, anyway, now I'm really into listening to tango music. And um, just like one or two, you know, at a time, like over and over again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And just like getting it in my system. And it reminded me of when we went to Horacio's for the barbecue in January. And he he had Troilo playing on the turntable. And I don't know if you weren't there for the I barbecue, but you came for leftovers there. like two days yeah. later. But so it was funny because during the asado, he has Troilo playing inside and it's an LP. So every like, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, he's got to go flip it over because it's an LP. And he just kept doing this all day. And then when we were there together the following Tuesday, he said the same album on. And then recently I asked him like how long he'd been listening to that album and he said he's been listening to it since January and now we're in what July yeah. because he just that's his way of sort of um studying the music mm-hmm. and he just has it in the background all the time. Yeah. And uh and that's I was really when cool. I did the 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 first month of classes cuz we weren't listening to the songs so thoroughly during the class I would mm-hmm. write down which songs he was referencing and then I would listen more to study because it's still hard for me to distinguish sometimes between the second melody the first melody and all that oh my god yes or you know sometimes the rhythmic bass and the melody are well what i wanted to bring up uh like a million times but we haven't had the chance because people call in or or we get the chatting was um so i'll do it right now while we have a second if yeah go for it man what's going on here i'm trying to get my phone over well I thought this was kind of interesting. Um, if you listen to this version of T- Toda Mi Vida, watch for a second. So the song actually starts with the second melody. Start it again. Mm-hmm. Because mm. here's the first. 
Yeah, I know. Yeah. And I... Like, wow. it's, I, it was hard to distinguish that at first, but then I found this version. Check this out. So, hold on. My question in that is, like, hold on. what yeah. determines it to be the first melody versus the second melody? Second Listen. melody isn't always there. Hold on. Listen to this. Yeah. So you see that Canaro starts right away with both melodies at the same time. And I would call, yeah, I see. And in the background is the second melody, mm -hmm. like the more muted one, which is what uh, Troilo started with. Right. But he starts it with it not so muted, so it's so fucking yeah. confusing to tell. Well, that that's, that's why the I would melody. have called it the first melody in the mm -hmm. Troilo. Well, the reason why it's distinguishable as the second melody as compared to the first melody is because when Fiorentino's singing he's obviously the first melody mm -hmm. so and then the second melody still doing that bop 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 in the background because I was wondering the same thing I'm like well then how do you know which one's which dude yeah I know and also and... you would think maybe one orchestra could make the second melody first melody based on how they arrange it but I guess yeah and then he said well the singer's not going to sing the second melody and I was like you're damn right you got a point there <laughs> that's why you're the teacher <laughs> So, you know something, sir. That was uh, there's all sorts of cool. I'm I'm giving away the secrets of the class, so um, I'm gonna stop. So in case other stop people listening now. can yeah take the class, but I did wanna. I was thinking for my own uh sort of joy and knowledge. I was thinking about doing like a short, maybe pre-recorded, so you could listen anytime, like a ten minute podcast of like just playing a song and then like talking about it, different parts, mm. what are what is like what you're hearing and stuff yeah or even like oh. posing the questions like what the fuck am i hearing so that we can start a discussion <laughs> because i don't know this very well like he's analyzed this and he's been studying with musicians mm -hmm. apparently he's really close with the with tango bardo and yeah. they're actually well, going to do a third month of our current seminar but not right away because they're in lockdown but they wanted he wants to do another four week attachment to this one where he works with the orchestra live nice yeah. Well, this is why I also want to work with a musician and take music lessons. I was telling you about this, that I'm thinking about this, and I'm trying to sort of form in my head a little bit as to what I want out of it. Um, it's like I never grew up being able to even like distinguish different instruments while I'm mm -hmm. listening to things, right? Or like the meaning of rhythm, melody, this, that, all I learned through the dance and like working uh, and taking some information from musicians over the years and some of my teachers. So I really want to be able to hear better. Like when we were working with Al Ramate in mm -hmm. a few of the classes, and I still didn't get to ask you this question, there's parts where... Um, it's very clearly the violin is doing a solo, mm -hmm. but then 
there are parts where the bandoneon is playing the same thing, but then I can't tell if the violin is playing along with it, but just more muted. But it's sometimes really hard to distinguish. You know, Chico? Yes. <laughs> Just thought of this? We have a musician on this show every fucking week, and we never ask these questions. Well, this is... I think we thought about it. Who did it come up with that we were asking some stuff? We're like, this is the first like... Is this the part? Yeah, it's coming. Not yet. Okay. It's more like a variation part. Oh, actually, yes, that's the part. That's everyone. That's what I thought. This is the bandoneon. This is everyone. Piano, you hear the piano there too? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Here. We're there. Is that the bandoneon and violin together? Like oh my god, it's such a short... Hold on, I gotta... No, there it's is like a larger... two beats of the measure. No, but there is a longer part that does that for a while. Oh. Um... I need to be more focused listening. Sorry, we were talking. That's okay. Too. Yeah, it's a little difficult. We're chatting. But it was well. Like Adam Tully's on the show later. It. Adam Tully's on the show later, and we can ask him all these questions if we want. <laughs> Maybe that's what we start doing because we're so dumb. <laughs> we actually talk to these people about music. What have we been talking to these people about all these weeks? Their music. And yeah. themselves. Yeah, it's all good. I mean, I know we've been talking to them about something. They're on the show for like 40 minutes to an hour, but... Because I actually, after, you know, after we got off the phone with Christine last week, I was like... or And then throughout the week following, I was like coming up with questions in my head about her music that I was... Sometimes I'm in the moment and I don't, you know, it takes a while think to about it, yeah. think about it. And then later I'm like, oh, shoot, I should ask this or that. Yeah. Um. I, I had the same thing after we talked with her for a while because we've been like looking to reach out to more female musicians uh, for the show too. And then like we got a list from <laughs> Meredith. It was all violinists. And I'm like, why didn't I ask her? Why it's just like most of the female tango musicians play violin. Like, I don't think I know a female bandoneon player. Um, like these sort of questions pop into my head too. Yeah, there is. There's one young lady in Boulder, Denver, though, that plays with Nick Jones, and Pooja says she knows somebody too. I'm wondering if she's referring to the same person. Maybe. Is it Pooja? Uh, I don't remember the woman's name because I don't think we're. Yes, we would like a recommendation, Pooja. Mm-hmm. Um, we're always hmm. looking to. Meet. In DC. Interesting. I didn't know there was yeah. another person in D.C. We would love to meet her. I think my favorite instrument... Oh, I don't want to say this because then it makes everybody... <laughs> <laughs> I will just... Well, when Javier Sanchez played way, way back, I think it was week two, mm -hmm. and he played the solo bandoneon, that was like just really powerful for me. It was very spiritual. <laughs> I would love to hear a solo bass. I would love to hear a solo um, bass. I'm still looking for a bassist who is willing to do that. I'm, I'll reach I out to Pablo Aslan again. I respect everyone who's been 
on the show has been great uh, sharing their music, but it's yeah, that's why I didn't so want to diminish the ba ba bassists to not want to play the bass solo, yeah. which I absolutely love. Uh, yeah, I didn't want to say I that I um, didn't want to diminish anybody else's contributions. Everybody's been amazing in in their it's... way, and the violinists we've had have been all different so different like we had Sergio Reyes we had Machico and then we had Christine and like so different so right? different right and so fascinating yeah um, the way they each play every time I'm listening to mine I'm like oh my god this is amazing so different than before and then uh, I feel like it's better but it's not it's just different and mm -hmm. uh, powerful in a different way you know, the time where I performed with Mauro in Austin mm -hmm. uh, to Kachibache, uh, we picked one of the songs and we were going to dance live to Kachibache with it. And we were preparing to the recording. And there's a part where Pacha at the beginning plays the bass. And I love it, the way he plays it. So I asked Maro, like, let's play with the bass here. He's like, okay. So we made the whole beginning about the bass, and fucking Pacha didn't play the bass the same way. And I went to him after, man, what happened? Like, you played it different. And he was like, nobody ever listens to the bass. So I figured <laughs> I changed. <laughs> I was so bummed. Every time we have a bass player on the show, they all assume nobody listens to, or like, <laughs> or nobody cares as much about them as the other ones. But it's like, Which I don't know. It's very, you know, if you don't have that bass there, it's very noticeable. Yes, without absolutely. that, that, uh, that it's like the root. It, it holds everything together. And like you had so much in your life because of Gary. Mm -hmm. Right, your brother plays. I was able to like learn about why the bass is so fundamentally important to a to a group. I uh, and especially yeah. a group that doesn't have a drummer, like a tango group. You know, mm. they really have to lay down the groove. They have to be really solid. It's true. Know? I never really thought about that. Because that's what he used to tell me about when he played with certain people. Um, like it's the bass if the drummer's off even though he's like the percussive instrument mm -hmm. if it's um because the bass is holding a groove the whole time it's not like a beat where the drummer's hitting a beat so the bass is is, is holding a groove and if that speeds up and slows down it's much more detrimental to the other musicians than if the drummer mm -hmm. does so you're always like coming back to the bass i see that's what he would tell me at least i mean i i never played much so I always get also visually, like, because it's such a, like, volume as an instrument, it's amazing to watch. Speaking of bass, um, I heard a funny story in the last class with Horacio. He gave an interview on YouTube to Roberto Alvarez, who was the bandoneonist. I want to say, I'm, I hope I'm, I need to, anyway, I need to look at my notes, but I believe he was the fourth bandoneonist for D'Agostino Vargas. Mm -hmm. And one night, the, s the first bandoneonist told the second bandoneonist, I'm going to play 
the rhythmic bass, and you play the melody tonight. And the reason was because I guess it was his way of telling the second bandonianist that he was terrible at his job playing the rhythmic bass in two. <laughs> or, yeah. And then I guess the fourth guy, the guy he did the interview with, said um, he spent, after playing for 15 years, he studied with that first guy. And it took him five more years to be able to just play the rhythmic bass on the bandoneon just right and in two or something. Wow. Yeah. That's so funny. Or I made that all up. Uh, maybe. <laughs> it's a good story regardless. <laughs> and then another funny story he told. So these are stories that he tells like just as anecdotes. So that they, I don't know if he'll bring them up in the future classes. So I'll say another one. Um, I guess the bass, he got a, uh, D'Agostino got a record call, uh, a record call. He got a phone call from a record company saying, we want to try you out and see if you're going to do well and sell. And apparently, I guess like when you get a call from a record company back then, it's a big deal because out of all the orchestras, only about 10% ever got recorded, you know? Mm -hmm. So he's like, well, I don't have my bit. All I have right now is my student playing bass and another student because, um, I don't know, guys were sick or they weren't available or whatever. And the record company's like, I don't care. You can come in tomorrow and record and if it, and then we'll try to sell it. And if it sells, we'll sign you. So mm. the first recording he ever made was Muchacho. Mm. And I guess the bass player wasn't very good, even though they ended up signing them and, and they and they sold records. And there was a joke that said, and Oscar heard this joke um, last night, so I'm wondering if I, I'm going to say it correctly. But apparently, there was he was saying like, when did the bass player? How did the bass player? Do, Oscar, call me and tell me what the fuck you heard them saying. <laughs> Just... That. The only time the bass player played the note right was when he messed up and tried to correct himself afterwards or something to that effect. <laughs> what? Like he, the only time the bass player was on time uh -huh. was when he missed the note or he tried when he hit the note at the wrong time I and see. then tried to correct himself uh, after the fact or something like that. Anyway, I should start anyway. talking about something else. No. Oscar My stories are to save your. I love your stories, Adam. So, Thanks. So I'm just checking if uh, uh, the second Adam is in the house or not. He's not. Oh, he just he just uh, he just entered Adam. the house. Okay. Cool. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's. Oh, Oscar's calling now. A little late, bitch. <laughs> to correct the you. joke, dude. I want to tell you that drive up from Annapolis that you recommended was gorgeous. It's a beautiful drive. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it made the drive so much easier because yeah. I it was like I got all the way to Wilmington before I hit 95, so I was almost halfway back before like I hit like normal highway traffic. Yeah. This was just like a country road that you could go 100 miles an hour on or whatever and yeah, it was just so lovely. It's awesome. Yeah, it was super it's, scenic. It's an awesome and exactly as you said, like nobody's going to use that road if you don't go to Annapolis for that reason. You know, if you're not yep. going it's, there. So. It's out of the way for anybody who doesn't live on the peninsula. If you're driving so, down 301, oh, everybody. <laughs> take that all, right, all the way to Annapolis. It. 
Oscar, correct the joke that he told. So what what he said was that the the um, the bass player uh, was always off, and he was only on when he was going from being off because he was too late to going off because he was too early. So there was always a point <laughs> in which he crossed and happened to be. Uh, but that he was just so off all over the place that he, right, like like the uh, the clock that, that doesn't work and, you know, it'll still tell you the time <laughs> twice a day. Basically, that was this guy. <laughs> So, Oscar, every time you speak, when we're on Zoom or on podcast now, too, I just realized the first my first reaction before you make a first sound is like, I'm ready. Turn down the volume. To say turn down the volume or like sort of I'm ready if your volume is going to come out too loud. I'm prepared for it. But it's been really good. Last couple of times <laughs> we've been awesome. <laughs> That just one experience on Zoom with your mic being so loud created apparently uh, uh, oh, drama yeah. on Oh yeah, when my I was end. telling you guys about the hundred avocados that I got delivered. Oh yeah. <laughs> Did you know <laughs> that he got a credit for that, that? By the way. Well, he got a credit for that from Amazon because apparently when those personal shoppers fuck something up, you can complain and they'll give you your money back and you keep the food. Yeah, but what happened to the hundred avocados? I mean, I ate as many as I could, but obviously one person is not going to go through 25 avocados in three days. <laughs> I, I would have just gone to everybody in my building and just... COVID, dude. Out yeah, up. Like... You ain't passing food out during COVID, Chico. <laughs> exactly. Oh, come on, yeah. it's avocados. It's like hard shell sort of uh, a maybe, I guess. fruit. Like, it's not like you cooked those it. Were also, Unless those were you're also a psycho like... and you're injecting shit into it. Those your... were like the dark days of COVID, too. That was like right at the beginning when people were, you know... I don't think passing food out back during that time, even now, would be that great, but... I wonder it's... if you could have ma mashed it into a guac and froze the guac. Mm. I think Sharon will Google that for us right now. <laughs> yeah, Sharon, please. That sounds um, probably hot. not a good That's idea, it. but I'm also curious now. Oscar, how good was the short rib? Oh my god! Tell it the world, buddy. Amazing. Tell the Adam fucking world. Adam made uh, dinner <laughs> two nights ago. He made this short rib that he cooked in the oven in the. If in Oscar a was a oven. female, I would have gotten laid over this dinner. <laughs> 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 you maybe got laid over you just don't remember <laughs> he he cooked it in, a, in the dutch oven for three hours talk deeper oh my baby. god it was so <laughs> so good and then the the mashed potatoes he's got uh -oh. this technique down oh to yeah them. he's got this technique down. i love it <laughs> Why aren't you so cooking for secret, me tomorrow, Adam? The secret of the mashed potatoes is that you you basically oh, put them, them. Okay, then I won't tell him. The no, secret no, of the mashed him. potatoes is that you have to have Adam cook them for you, apparently. Uh -huh. <laughs> apparently. And your description no of it is very pornographic, by the way. Your yeah. voice they were just very got good. very deep. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's no secret it's actually the french the french method you you boil the potatoes whole and then you smash them through a tammy or a, or some sort of metal screen 
so that they're very, very finely pureed. And then what happens is when you mix in your fats, like your butters or your creams, it absorbs it so much. And it's mm. fucking phenomenal. And there's no water. There's no, like, extra water. So they're very thick as well as creamy. Sounds it's amazing. amazing. And, yeah, sour cream works too sometimes. But as I made the joke on Tuesday when we were eating, I was like, because it's only the third time I've done this, short ribs or the potatoes. But I made a joke to Oscar. I said, you know, I don't think you could really fuck this up if you cook meat for three hours at the right temperature and you smash potatoes through a screen. <laughs> it's really all about technique, you know, like... If the technique's good, then the food is just its going to work itself out. It was delicious. It was yeah. really, really, really good. I had the rest of the rib uh, for lunch today. Oh, good. Did you put some yogurt in the mashed potatoes in the end to get the I did not in the end, it? and um, it actually, it was, it was interesting. It was like, it was kind of sweet, but then like when we ate, sat down and ate them, it sort of was less sweet, was it? I don't know. Maybe with the meat also, like it just. And then I used the, the 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 what do you call it? What I what I cooked the meat in the the juice. Mm -hmm. It was wine and stock and water. I made a little gravy with that. Mm. Sharon Sharon taught me how to make gravy, so I'm a We're big boy drink. now. You're a big yeah. boy. So the gravy was really fucking good too. So how do you make a gravy? You just use the juices of the meat and you can add a little bit. Do you, you take... add a little bit of flour? Yeah, but the thing is, and I forgot this until Sharon reminded me because Betty actually taught me as well a long time ago. You need to make, you need to get a little water and a little flour and make a paste. Mm -hmm. And then you mix the paste in slowly into the drippings or, or whatever and you mm -hmm. boil it. And actually, I think the next day, once it thickens a little more, the gravy's even better. Better. And you mm -hmm. added the wine into that? No, I okay. seared the meat and then I Well, first I cooked down the I cooked the onions and garlic and different things and I cooked the uh the veggies a little bit and I took that out, seared the meat and the juices from all that and the oil and whatever. And then I poured a cup of wine in, and the last time I did this, I used three cups of wine, but Oscar's wine is very good, and I didn't want to waste good wine. So I used one cup of wine, two cups of stock, and two cups of water, roughly. So you're basically braising the meat, mm. and you fill the liquids up to the top of the meat. So then after three hours, that shit is soaked. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so good. Nice. So good. Yeah, and on Friday, I'm going to smoke some meat in the yard. Because it's the opening stay of baseball, everybody. Woohoo! I know I, nobody um, cares. I but... started watching the last dance. I don't know, it's not baseball, but then. Oh, yeah, Michael Jordan's thing. Yeah. Um, it's so what, strange. What I feel like that did what not. What compelled you to do that? Well, I used to watch NBA very, like, a lot. Before I oh, yeah, you used to US, play basketball, actually, that's right. And I used to play. <laughs> I know, I have to believe. <laughs> uh, but it was, and those were the days, like, in the 90s where I watched the NBA a lot. And it was, like, all these uh, Chicago Bulls characters. And I'm seeing, I'm like, man, I need to act. I actually used to watch sports. And I knew, like, all these players. Like, uh, 
So it was really nice. I only watched it's nostalgic, the right? So far, it's very nostalgic. And and I love how like, <clears throat> as always, the team from Cleveland is the one in the highlight reel, getting their asses whipped. <laughs> Whether it's football, baseball, or basketball, it was like Michael Jordan's like first year he gets to the finals. It was when he beat the fucking Cavs. Yeah. The blah, the Craig Elo, the shot or whatever. It sort of inspired uh, me to want to watch NBA again. It's like, and it is always so big in Turkey too. Yeah, and you guys have some players now in the in the NBA. There's one on our in on the Cavs. Uh, yeah, Jetty Osman. There's two yeah, we, on the Philly Six Seventy Sixers. I think really? there at least there were, there were last year. But people do get traded so fast nowadays. Yeah, I think there's five in the league from Turkey. Ah, wow! I didn't yeah. know there's that many. That's crazy. But mm -hmm. yeah, I mean Turkey's been doing great with that. Um, it was Adam's <clears throat> Adam call is calling us Chico. All right. Hello, Adam. Hello. Hi. Welcome to the show. Hey guys. Hey man. <laughs> Thank you. You know, I realized I, I have I, I realized <laughs> I have not seen you in person since the Panny Vino days back in like probably three or four years ago. Uh, more than that. Was I'm it? Sure, because yes. oh my god, I don't. Because I I'm I moved to Argentina four years ago, and Panevino. I think the last time we ever played there was in 2015. Jesus, was that the place in Brooklyn? And, yeah, in yeah, 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 yeah. That was such exactly. a cool place, and I think yeah, that's that the was last really time fun. I saw you as well, and probably yeah. Oh, wow. And I remember playing at you guys' milonga. Uh, yes. At Malaleche, but like years before that. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about so, it. Yeah, that's right. How are you doing, man? How's everything going? I'm good. I'm good. Um, enjoying your banter about cooking, and <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know too much about basketball, but <laughs> but <laughs> I but but I, I've I've become a bit of a cook since I, I got married three years ago. Okay, I've been upping my game in cooking, so I'm I'm interested. Nice. That's so nice. what is your what the fuck was I going to say? What is your special of the day? What what do you make well, to, what do you make to get the forgiveness? <laughs> <laughs> is that the main the main motivation for cooking? You know, no, but there's like there's always that, you know, you're like, "Oh shit, I'm in trouble." All right, I'm going to make this dish. I know she loves it. <laughs> or no, but what 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 is one of huh. your specialties, if you don't mind? Uh, well, I make um, one of the things. I have a couple of things that are sort of a big hit because my wife is a really good cook, mm -hmm. and so anything that one of us can make that the other can't make is sort of a big hit. So yeah, I'll yeah. do I'll do pseudo Mexican food, which she doesn't really do. Mm -hmm. um, like I I like to make the beans, I make guacamole, I you know, I make the tortillas by hand, either flour or I have made um, I have made corn, but it's you can't really get the the right type of corn mm -hmm. uh, in Argentina. It's kind of harder to find. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's always a fun night. Um, and I've you know pasta is such a thing here that I've gotten 
I've gotten somewhat experienced at like fresh pasta making. Like my wife makes gnocchis, but I've made raviolis. I made a lasagna last year completely from scratch. I don't know what wow. possessed me. That was like my nice. that was my biggest like accomplishment there? ever. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, exactly. You know what though? I it's funny you call it a symphony. I my impression of it was this is like writing a musical composition. This is like uh, writing a piece for a small group because there are these <laughs> several different things that you have to organize separately and then you have to put them all together mm. and all this detailed work went into each thing and then you combine them and make this final thing. It was so very much said, like... You said from scratch, so I, I'm assuming obviously the noodles you made from scratch and then did you make yep. the... Uh, did you like peel the tomatoes? Did you boil those and like... I made a bolognese. Yeah, I found a recipe for for a bolognese where the guy was like, "Yeah, you cook this for like an hour or more." Hmm. It became it was a a day long project basically. Oh, I'm sure. And how do you find the spices for the Mexican food? We're asking you like you're a musician on the show. You don't cooking. (laughs) Yeah. Didn't you guys just talk? Well, it sounded like a cooking show. I know we were talking about you know, we were we had all these musical questions we were discussing earlier and I said Chico we have musical guests every week on the show and we never well sometimes I guess we ask certain questions and I was like tonight we're going to ask Adam some of these questions but now I'm asking you where you find spices in Argentina to make about food. food well I'll tell you the short answer to that is I don't um okay. and that's why I I said pseudo Mexican because I don't really know how to make Mexican food and my wife, like many Argentines, doesn't eat anything spicy. I mean, like okay. anything yeah. spicier than black black pepper is like, you know, <laughs> a, tra- a serious tra- act of violence. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I have some spicy stuff. I have like Tabasco and I have stuff like that that we brought from the U.S. But we don't really eat hot food. Right. Um, other than, yeah. So, you know, it's pseudo when we do Mexican. Yeah, there was a place... I mean, this we were just there in January, and then prior to that, it had been five years. And I re- this past time, there was a new Mexican joint in Palermo. And I think one night, mm-hmm. Chico even said, like, maybe we should try it. And then we were both looked at each other, and we were like, why are we going to try Mexican food in Buenos Aires? <laughs> <laughs> like, what is the... Uh, that doesn't really... And I think the prior time I was there, I did go out for Mexican food. I and think it just, we did, but it was like we the were most there bland. For- Two yeah. months, um, I think, and yeah. we were really craving. You get a little homesick, variety. and you want, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was. <clears> and at good. the time, there, yeah, it's. Go go ahead. I... At the <laughs> There's time, a delay, there I'm a lot... sure. So <laughs> There was a lot less uh, options at the time when we were there longer time. So like mm-hmm. finding Mexican food was like, oh, good change. Like, let's do this. Yeah, but I mean, if you're you're in the U.S., you have such better access to to Mexican food. Yeah, it's not it's not a thing here, really. I mean, there there's a little bit, but the the general like the traditional palate here is yeah, it is blander. I mean, it's it's Italian food, Spanish food, and then you have the like the barbecue mm-hmm. stuff, the frontier. That's the kind of the the basic traditional food palate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how then is your now? Your... There's. Uh-huh. I was gonna ask how. Oh, are I was just gonna say now. <laughs> I actually, okay, I'm okay. One, two, I'm okay three. at that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, because of the delay, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm okay. I've, I've gotten experience. The most stressful part about making asado is getting the, the fire to light. Uh-huh. Like, if you can uh-huh. figure out the fire part get and chimney. get the embers going. Gotta get a chimney. But yeah, I mean, just just doing the... But but since it's um, wood charcoal, right? you don't use any lighter fluid or anything like that, getting the, getting the fire going and then turning it into embers... That's kind of the once you get once you get past that the rest of it is just basically you know Maintain. putting meat on the yeah. grill it's it's not yeah. yeah it's not hard yeah but it that's that's been an adventure so yeah the, one you know speaking of I'll say one more thing about food and drink in Buenos Aires because you were, guys were talking about like re- a recent visit and a longer ago visit you may have remembered that longer ago um, food and drink was more limited especially in the drink area uh beer beer variety was very used to be very limited i I was first here in the 90s and it was just like kilmes you know he's in back yeah yeah and since since about 2015 or 2016 there's been a gradual exponential boom in like craft beer so Mm -hmm. i remember in 2016 i had the i had an ipa in argentina for the first time and i was really excited about it and now it's just like any other trend has just exploded i mean i get ipas i could you could throw a rock out my window and hit like three kind of hipster beer places well so that that that, reminds me of like a couple years ago when i was there there was the first ipa it was the first like craft not, it wasn't a brewery locally, but there was a craft bar. It was called Antares in Palermo. Yeah, and I think. Yeah. And uh, and it just reminded me of another story, though. Like I remember, I went there. I mean, we've been there many, many times. And there was one year I went there with an ex-girlfriend, and I was like, "We're gonna take you out for Parisia." And we were staying in Palermo, and I remember that year it was harder to find a, a Parisia than it was a sushi restaurant at that point. Like yeah. there, were all, there were more sushi restaurants <laughs> than Parisias. And I remember with Chico, we went once to the very first sushi restaurant. Remember Andres and Meredith took us to that mm-hmm. sushi restaurant like in 2005? And it was horrible because it was mm-hmm. the first one in Argent- in Buenos Aires. and um, But they were super excited that they had one. Yeah. And then you fast yeah. forward like, I don't know, you fast forward, I don't know what year I was there with Ten Catherine. Years. It was probably 20, 2014. And they were like, oh, yeah. They're everywhere, and I was like, "Wow!" Yeah, yeah, that exploded. Now there's a uh, poke. We we tried it uh, oh, yeah. poke for the first time in the U.S. last year, and then some places opened up here. Wow. So, okay. yeah, yeah, it's it's fun. It's very interesting, though. Like, the, the, and they started brewing their own beer and stuff too. Like places we went to, there were yeah. some local brews. It happened the same way in Turkey. Like for years, we had the same brand of Turkish beer. And then all of a sudden, um, there were two brands. They started making different kinds. And bam, there was lots of import of foreign beer too. And then just the market exploded. Now there's yeah. a zillion choices. That's super interesting. It's, yeah, it's. It's been a welcome development for sure. Yeah. So, so believe it or not, we didn't ask you here for food. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we wanted to uh, see if you uh, would would delight us with some music. So um, we chatted yesterday, 
you sent me your latest album on Spotify called La Llegada. For those of you who want to check it out, I'll put it in the Llegada. So before chat. you and, um, yeah. Sorry, Chico, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 go. I interrupted. I thought you needed time, so I was filling in. Go for it. I need all the time. Okay. <laughs> before we play something, I want to have a little bit more intro about Adam. Uh, how do you say your last name? Tuli or Tali? That's a great question. There. <laughs> it's definitely there are actually there. There are two ways of saying it. I, I say Tuli in Spanish, and uh -huh. I say Tully in English. Okay. So so here in Argentina, I'm Adam Tuli, and in the well, U.S., I'm Adam Tuli. That's funny because so, when I I've I've been studying Spanish, and every week I have a class, and I also chat with a friend. And when I say my girlfriend's name, her name is Sharon. And while I'm speaking Spanish, I always call her Sharon. And my teacher my teacher doesn't bat an eye because she only knows her as Sharon. But my friend Isabella, who I use, she speaks Spanish, so we practice. She'll laugh because she's good friends with Sharon. So I'll be like, oh, yeah, yo, the other day, con Sharon. And she's just like. <laughs> Sharon. But I can't Sharon. say Sharon while I'm in the Spanish mode, you know, Sharon. because I'm trying to, like, practice my vowels and shit. That's yep. I, I, I know what you mean. I hope you don't I know call what you me mean. Sico during your no, I call conversations. You El Nino. I call you El Nino. <laughs> <laughs> You got so, nicknames for everybody. <laughs> exactly. So, Mr. Uh, Tuli, where does your last name come from? Oh, uh, it's Irish. Ah, okay. That makes so much yeah. more sense now. How long did yeah. you live in New York? 20 years. Um, Holy for crap. The, for, prior, to, prior to moving here, I lived there for 20 years, and I was born in New York, but uh, grew up in Washington, D.C., so... You know, I guess technically I'd been there for for over twenty years, but um, I, you know, I lived there roughly from twenty two to forty two, and I and the first the first years of my life, uh, you know, the main years until about eighteen were in Washington D.C. Very okay, very now different it sort makes of place. Sense why you do not have an mm -hmm. uh, Argentine English accent? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm American, hundred percent. Yeah, I, yeah. Okay. For some reason, I thought maybe you were Argentine descendant as well. You know, I, I, I got involved with Argentina at age 20. I came to Buenos Aires for six months to study abroad, just sort of almost by chance. Um, I, I had wanted to go to Spain. I studied Spanish guitar and I studied Spanish in high school. And then in college, I had a girlfriend that wanted to come here. And found a program and I said that sounds cool and I thought you know as long as I'm in Argentina I'm gonna find out something about Argentinian music and I got into tango and took lessons and you know tango music and got into Argentinian folk music and started listening to it and then I kind of never went back you know it just sort of something about it really the whole experience, everything about the place and the music kind of so grabbed when, me. And when, know. um, sorry, uh, I'm finishing the thought. Okay, here it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've had, we've had obviously on the, this is a tango program. So we've had a lot of musicians on and 
most of which, most of whom play many styles because that's how you pay the bills. It sounds like you started with Spanish guitar, but then quite quickly got into tango. Did you also study other styles of music? Do you also play other styles right now? Or have you only been doing tango this whole time? That's a great question. Um, I, yes, when great. I was a yes, little kid, no, I, I love that. <laughs> I love that question. I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to give you the summary pretty quickly. When I was a really little kid, I studied classical music. I sang in church choirs. I studied piano and cello. Um, so that my first part of my life was, was classical music and I still love classical music and, um, I've studied it for many years. Um, and when I was about 13 or 14, I wanted to play rock and roll cause that's what all my friends were doing. And I wanted to be in rock bands and I wanted a guitar. So I kind of begged for a guitar, finally got a guitar and then studied rock guitar. And I changed high schools in 10th grade and the guitar teacher was a classical teacher and I just sort of started studying classical guitar and then my classical guitar teacher said you seem to really like the Spanish repertoire you should study flamenco and this was in Washington DC you should go to this place and there was a guitar shop owned by a Spanish guy named Paco de Malaga and I started taking lessons from him and hanging around his shop and Pretty soon I got a grant from my high school to take lessons with him for a summer and I was like really into flamenco. Um, and then I went to college and conservatory for a year or so. I, I was at Oberlin in Ohio and studying classical oh, guitar wow. and but I yeah and I, I didn't end area. up staying there because you're from you're from Cleveland, Ohio. But yeah, I'm from Cleveland. Okay, yeah. Yeah, but it's, to, it's my family real close. lives out in, in the Illyria now, so I, I go to Oberlin occasionally. I remember. Okay, yeah, I remember Illyria and and mm -hmm. Cleveland, and uh, I, you know, so I, I did classical, but it, it nothing was really quite fitting. Um, I wanted to play flamenco. I, I wanted to do different things. I wanted to travel the world. I wanted to go to Spain. So I, I dropped out of college, and ended up. Um, well, actually, no. I then I came here for a semester, and then I dropped out of college. And so, by the time I abandoned college at that point, I was like really into Latin American music in general, mm -hmm. um, and sort of got involved in a bunch of different styles. I lived in San Francisco for a year and hung out with a bunch of Latin musicians, and got into Cuban music and Mexican music and other South American styles. And for for a while, I was kind of kicking around between flamenco, classical, tango, you know, just sort of a little bit of everything and trying to come to Argentina when I could. I, I didn't come too many times, but in um, 2001, I started getting into the tango scene in New York. The friend of, a friend of mine said, hey, there's a bandoneon player that I know and you should meet him because you like tango and you play some tango pieces. And... I met uh, Pulpo in t 2001 at some show that he was doing with Tito Castro and Pancho Navarro mm -hmm. and started hanging out with Pulpo and he was like, I want to start a band. And I wanted to, I, I was at a point in my career where I sort of said, I don't, I don't want to do a little bit of everything anymore. I want to do one thing. Okay. And I think all of those things lining up, like wanting to start a project and sort of focus a little bit more on one style of music and um, and running into Pulpo and sort of 
Tangle feeling, I think Tangle felt right too. It felt like I love Cuban music, but it wasn't, it didn't seem to quite fit with my personality, but Tangle just something about it felt really comfortable. So basically since 2001, I decided that's all I want to play. And when I lived in New York, I did some other things. Like I played solo guitar at weddings, you know, corporate gigs like to make money, but Mm -hmm. I didn't basically since, since, the early 2000s, I said, artistically, I just want to play tango. Um, mm-hmm. And then that kind of got reinforced when I moved. Working, and that's been sufficient. Yeah, Maybe. I mean, you know, I, I as you guys know, New York is a, a really tough place to, to do anything uh, yeah. artistic and to do anything. So I, I had a lot of phases in New York where I would work a day job or I would teach lessons, or I would do a little bit of everything. Like my last eight years or so, I, I worked in the music industry um, before before I left New York, and I was trying to maintain my career as a player, but I was also working a day job for um, a very small uh, music publishing administrator. So I was helping composers with their royalties, basically. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, but I think artistically I was... I always had made that decision where it's like, you know, I, I want to do tango music. And then in, in my last, I would say, four or five years in New York, I it become really important to me to do something original, too. I started saying I need to compose music. And, you know, if I'm going to be playing tango, I don't want to just keep doing versions of the same things mm. that everyone else plays. I, I want to do something original and find a voice as an artist. Um, and the record that you mentioned um at the beginning of the show, La Chegada, I, I recorded in New York right before I moved here. Uh, actually, I recorded a little bit of it here, but it's mostly there. And it's all original. It's it's my trio, Adam Tully trio, with guitar, piano, bass, and it's mostly original compositions. And one of the things that I really love about living here is there's so many possibilities for tango. You can have tango you know, for the dance scene. You can have tango for listening to instrumental music and new compositions. You can have tango for singers. You know, there's a scene for, there's a lot of guitarists here, which is incredible. I was just um, going to ask that. There's so, like, I don't know another tango guitarist here. Um, yeah, so I wanted and to it's ask, funny. Like, how easy was it to, like, be a tango guitarist within all this and now i'm hearing that there's a lot of tango guitarists because we don't hear it even in argentina we hear so much live music but i don't see anyone playing guitarists at the yeah, longest Ch- Ch- chico that is also a great question i, I love yes. that question and Adam, i told you i had this- a great question <laughs> <laughs> and, and and this is this is what i always say about that topic it's really really interesting um in in most of the world in the tango scene um the guitar is not terribly visible and when you go to most places new york you know france you know anywhere japan tango for the most part uh what you're mostly going to see is um the type of formation that is that is featured for dancing uh orquesta tipica or or a small mixed ensemble that has bandoneon, violin, piano, bass, all, all those. And that's the sound. And mm-hmm. that's one type of sound. But there is another tango sound that is almost like an, 
a parallel sound of tango and it's an underground thing that is less known by many people, but it's really important in tango, which is guitars and singers. And if you listen to Carlos Gardel, yeah, exactly. The yeah, I mean, it was most famous tango singer people. of all time. Exactly. Well, the and and if you listen to his recordings, yeah, it was way before. Bandone. Exactly. It always surprises me, like why there isn't guitar in the. Uh, yes, it's it, and ensembles that more. Well, I think there's there's a there's a practical reason for that historically, which is the same thing that happened in jazz and in other types of music. The guitar is a quiet instrument, uh, the acoustic guitar, and it doesn't really compete with piano, violin, bandoneon. It yeah. just the volume doesn't compete. So there's a point in history where it just stops existing for certain styles of music and it, because you have a piano and the piano does what a guitar could do but louder so i think that's part of the reason that it's not visible but what's amazing about tango and argentina and the guitar is that it's a tradition that is so strong argentina is such a a, a strong country for the guitar there's always been a really high level of of musicians so for example <laughs> And is uh, that uh, also, sorry, don't forget what you're going to say, is that also, could that also be because it's so existent in folk music as well? Uh, definitely. I, I think the guitar is, in Latin America is is like the main instrument. You know, it's it's uh, the popular instrument. It's portable. It's cheap. It's, it's traditionally been just ubiquitous in Latin America and all styles of music. And as you guys said, it was in the original tango it was guitar it was guitar flute and violin and then like if you listen to Gardel and singers from that era uh, most of what he recorded was with three guitars um, so there's a whole tradition of that um, that has survived until today and it's really really interesting um, to be doing it here because basically not even Argentina Buenos Aires is is the city is the place on the on the in the world where you're going to have where you have a population of tango guitarists like <laughs> um you know what you're saying in new york i, I don't see any guitarists well yeah it's it's almost anywhere you go you're not really going to see tango guitarists <laughs> you might see some guitarists that play that play some tango and play some other styles i mean i would say the main the main one in new york is pancho navarro and he's someone who plays tango and he also plays folk music and he plays latin american styles uh -huh. um and and he's he's great he's he's a master but it's it's not that visible um when i was in new york we formed a, a quartet guitarras lumfardas and um you know it it was good but it wasn't made up of people that play tango 100 percent right. of the time you know uh so one of the things that i love about being here and i say this to my friends i'm in the paradise of tango guitar because mm. uh, i'll give you a couple examples of of how amazing it is uh, most of my friends <laughs> are tango guitarists now <laughs> um i i go like i play in two different groups that are you know other people's groups that are made up of of guitars they're tango guitar quartets or quintets um if i wanted to start a, a group uh a, tomorrow i could easily start one i could find basically it's like you throw a rock and and you hit like 30 tango that's like guitars a folk, that's like uh, a and i'll give you another example <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I guess so. It's right. and there's a really high level, and I'll give you another example of of how amazing it is. I've been doing, um, you know, the radio station, the tango radio station here, La Dos Por Cuatro. It's the yes. main FM FM tango station. 
um, I've been uh, doing a, a segment on one of the shows there for the last three years. Um, it's a show by this uh, guy, Ignacio Barachowski, who's a great tango producer, and he's a bass player. He's the he's the founder of um, Orquesta del Arranque, and he is the founder of the um, Orquesta Escuela, which is the school. It's like an orchestra school teaches musicians how to play tango orchestra. That's the style. name. Uh, I think Christine uh, brought a, him up last week. And also, yes, uh, yes, 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 yes. Christine in the last lecture. It was in on Saturday. Yeah. Well, isn't that the school Horacio Romo? I think. Okay. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. He's Ignacio is very well known here. And, and Christine played in that. I believe she was a student in yeah, that yeah, orchestra years that, yeah. ago. Mm -hmm. um, so he's got a really great show and he asked me to do a segment on it um, that we do once a month. And the idea that he pitched me was let's do a guitar, a tango guitar jam session on the air uh, once wow. a month, like get together three or four guitarists wow. and, and we'll do a jam session and we'll talk. So we started doing that um, in 2017 and we do it once a month. And I don't think I'll ever run out of guitarists. I've, I've never repeated anybody. So wow. I've done, wow. I've been doing it for three years every month and I haven't run out of guitarists yet. So that that gives you an idea of <laughs> the number of tango guitars here. So that that fact in and of itself makes That's this a amazing. really incredible I, um, place for me to live. I wish we could tune into this jam session. Well, it's on dos por cuatro. Well, I I will. Yeah, it it's live right now because of the a pandemic. There's not we're not doing it. You know, they're not really doing their regular programming. He mm -hmm. he is now doing his show. I think he's doing it once a week from home. He's not doing it from the mm -hmm. station. Um, so th it's not happening right now, but I can send you some links of, you know, what we've done in the past. It's been filmed. I, I, it's on my YouTube channel. Oh, There's yeah, a couple that's, videos uh, of us doing the jam session that's live. That's a great idea. If Actually, I'll put that in the link for this uh, when I post this. I did listen to some of your podcast, Tango Profiles. Um, that you, I don't think you're doing that oh, anymore, wow. but... Um, because I started this podcast, you know, like a, two, a year ago or a, over a year. And I yeah. was like Googling and looking up all the other Tango podcasts. And I really liked yours because you go into the history of the composers a lot, which I thought was really, for us yeah. dancers, you know, we know that we know the old band leaders, of course, but we don't know like who wrote mm -hmm. the song, who wrote the lyrics, who wrote the yeah. compositions, who arranged the compositions, things yeah. like that. So it was really cool. But I want to stop. Yeah. If you don't mind, I, I want to interrupt. I would love to Thank listen you. to some music. So. Would you like me to yeah. play something, or would you like to play something first live? How would you like to start? Well, why don't I play something? Because we've been we've yeah. been chatting for so long, and I've got the guitar here. Okay, cool. Why don't I just play something for you, Excellent. real quick? I'm gonna tune up real quick, and I'm so glad you listened to that podcast. I, I you're right. I'm not doing it anymore. I found that, it's it a very heavily produced. I, I, I'm a oh, fucking. I thank mean, you. A lot of us well, are tango nerds, so we just we just love anything yes. we can learn. That's what it's for. It's definitely for tango nerds, and you know the reason I haven't been doing it. It's it's very highly produced. You know, they're short. They're very short segments, but they're they're written and recited, and there's music mixed into them. So it's like it's to do them takes a lot of research and a lot of writing, a lot of work. I love doing them, and I would love to at some point 
go back to it. And I, my idea originally was to have a lot of them. You know, I think there are only, Not, yeah, there's like only a few. 12 yeah, or yeah. 13 of them. And, and I would like Tango to have profiles, mm -hmm. right? That's Tango profiles. Yeah. And they're between, you know, seven minutes. And I think the longest one might be 18 minutes or something. They're, they're real short. And I would love to eventually have about 50 of them and have it as an education tool and say, look, if you want to learn about tango repertoire and songs here, these are the 50 most important composers. You know, that's kind of the idea. Behind that would, it. Yeah, I would love. Um, and more. I used yeah, to. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. You know, you're you're I've heard a few people over the years tell me I had another uh, guy in Seattle tell me that he uses it for teaching, you know, so I'm I'm, I'm really that's encouraging to hear. And I would like to get back and, and make a few more of them. So stay tuned for Tangle Profiles cool. uh, eventually. Um, and it actually started live. Speaking of Panevino, I'll say one more thing before mm -hmm. I play. Um, Tangle Profiles started out as a live segment at Panevino. We would play our set. And I had this thing. I called it Profiles in Tangle Greatness. And what it was was um, every week I would feature a composer based on their birthday. I would say this week is the birthday of Aníbal Troilo, and you know, and I would say like a few, a, a very short re uh, summary of his life, and then we would play a piece by him. So that was kind of mm -hmm. the idea. And you were saying, you know, knowing about the the composers and being a tango nerd, I did it because I wanted to make sure that I knew about them. You know, that was kind of yeah, the idea. Yeah, because as a dancer so, I, in the early days, I was like, I guess I was, just, I was ignorant, but I was so stunned when I, when I danced, you know, I'd be dancing for, had been dancing for two or three years. And then I'm like, oh yeah, this song, it's written by Troilo or by so-and-so. And they're like, no, dude, that's not, that's not who wrote it. And, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but uh, so what? That's sort of a universal what, thing. What are we, we going to hear? And yeah. I'm assuming this is you did write. So this. this is an original, correct? Uh, I could. Or, what, I no, could. No, no, I could play an original. Um, I thought I would start by playing a, a, a tango or a milonga, maybe something traditional. I'll. I'll. Let's okay. do this. Why don't I do um, one of my arrangements of a traditional milonga? Okay. Um, this is, and you probably recognize it, it's by Julian Plaza, mm. and it's called Pachadora. But this is my arrangement. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take off the my headphones while I play, and then I'll put sure. them on after I finish playing. <laughs> okay, here goes.
awesome. I so miss hearing you play. Oh, thank you, Chico. Thanks very much. So nice. That was amazing, Um, man. What makes tango... What makes a guitar tango, like the playing of a guitar tango, compared to, like, if you were comparing playing classical, Spanish, and tango, like, what was the switch? What did you have to Another that was Another excellent question. Can I make a funny... Yes. I love that Can question, I make a funny Chico. commentary? A long time ago... Yes. I'm not yeah. even going to let you answer that question. I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so... Many years ago, when I was down in Buenos Aires, I was hanging out with Andres Amarillo one day, and he and we both touched the guitar every few months. You know, we just dabble. And he was like, "Do you want to learn this piece of music?" And I pick up a piece of music, and I'm like playing the guitar, and it's literally it's like run, 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 <laughs> and I'm like, "This fucking sucks. This is it." <laughs> They're just hitting two over four. You're just keeping the time. <laughs> so that was my first introduction to like guitar for tango. So I'm really curious what you're gonna say now. Okay. <laughs> all okay. I thought was like, okay. all I thought it was like you're being the percussion for <laughs> the band, <laughs> which I know I was totally wrong. But that that's actually no, but that's that's both of. The... That's a very interesting observation, and the question is great, and I, I think there are a couple of different answers to it. I mean, the main thing that makes tango guitar tango is tango music. So that, that might sound a little <laughs> simplistic, but, but yeah, or, or like mind blowing. But, but basically, there are there's there's more than one way to play tango guitar. But the thing that always has to be there is an understanding of the musical language. So, for example, um, I've done a lot of teaching with a group called uh, Tango Sin Fin, Tango, Tango for Musicians. They, they put on a, a thing, uh, the, uh, the tango thing at Reed, Reed uh, College in, in Portland, mm-hmm. and they do, a, uh, they do a convention down here, and they talk about the phrasing of the melody, and f- melodic phrasing um, basically is, you know, changing the rhythm of a melody. So a melody would be something like, you know, if I played a, a melody really simply, um, you know, that, that doesn't really sound terribly expressive, but if I go, you know, that sounds a little bit more like tango. And I'm the reason I was going to ask you to do this, like the, if you could demonstrate the difference, that's fantastic. Okay, sorry. And and he, here's something that I will tell. Oh yeah, sure. Here's something <laughs> that I've told people before in in like lectures. I'll say, look, the the way that musicians play tango music on an instrument is very similar to the way that people from Buenos Aires speak when they when they speak Spanish. So, you know. Uh, if you can imagine a strong Italian accent, because the, the the Spanish here is very Italian influenced, and you can imagine a porteño speaking and gesturing, and you know, imagine the difference between saying "por una cabeza" and saying "por una cabeza," you know, like with a with a, that type of an accent and and an intonation, and that gets you very close to 
the feeling and the intonation and the inflection of tango music mm. is very related. So that's like one of the big, um, the big teaching points for a singer. Like if a, a singer who is not from Buenos Aires, even if they are a great singer and they have perfect Spanish, they will have a lot of trouble making tango sound like tango when they sing. And, and the thing to do is say, okay, listen to recordings of Goyeneche and Gardel and Adriana Varela and Nelly Omar. And then also go to Buenos Aires and talk to people and, and look at, you know, notice the way people speak. Um, so that's a big part of why tango guitar sounds the way it does is understanding the way the music sounds. Um, I, I studied the, I, I had a, I was very fortunate to the, the first tango guitar teacher I had in my first trip here in the 90s was Aníbal Arias, who was one of the great tango guitarists. I didn't realize it at the time. I found him and I asked him for lessons and I didn't know he was like this historical figure. But something really interesting about him was he played tango arrangements on solo guitar and he would just give you a piece of paper and said, here's the music, play this, right? But if you play the notes on the paper, it'll sound like the first example I gave you, like just going. I sound like, you know, that. it'll sound like very straight. Mm -hmm. And what was so interesting about him is you would watch him and listen to him play his own arrangements of something like the paper. Here, here's an example. I, I still play one of his pieces, um, Ojos Negros. And if you look at the sheet music, it goes like this. But that's not the way you play it. That doesn't sound like tango. Mm -hmm. When he played it, it would sound like this. So that's the difference. That's, that's why tango guitar sounds the way it does, because the person playing it has to have some type of understanding of what the music should sound like. And then from there, there's a lot of different styles. You can play on solo Spanish guitar, which is similar in technique to class. It's basically like playing classical guitar, but it's understanding tango phrasing and sentiment. Mm -hmm. And it's also to get at what Adam was saying, uh, there is a rhythmic side to tango. So there is a whole side to tango that, mm -hmm. you know, where the guitar or the piano or the bass sounds like this. Right. It sounds like just these notes, but to make those no notes feel the right way, they, they have to be accented in a certain way. Like if mm -hmm. I, I could play those exact same notes with no, no tango feeling, it would sound like this. Catch that doesn't really sound like, like tango. And this, <laughs> and, and, right. And, and like, and also I could play them, I could play them really accented, but not understand tango. And they might sound like, I mean, that sounds a little bit like tango, but it's kind of boring, but it yeah. sounds a lot more like tango if I go. Can I ask a question? There's a more pulse to it. A, yeah. a related to this. Um, yeah. You are so allowed, many, Adam. Uh, lectures I've heard <laughs> over the years and, and tango talks. A lot of musicians have said, you know, I played, I thought I was playing tango music for f and this is also dancers have the same thing it's like they call mm -hmm. it um what's the word uh oh, i just i just lost the word but it's like you feel like you're dancing and then you're or you're playing sorry and 
after five years, ten years, and then you know, and the music musician says, actually, it wasn't until um, no, the word is mugre, mugre, but uh, the 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 dancer, the, okay. the the musician says, like, actually, I didn't feel like I hit that, I was able to encapsulate that sound like the arrastre or something until after fifteen years or twenty years. And I had to work with somebody specifically. And I'm just curious, um, was there a point in your career where you were like, I'm a great tango guitarist. And then you were like, holy shit, I have so much further to go and uh, to capture this, like the yes. nuances, because those, those are the trickiest parts. Absolutely. Uh, it's so interesting that you say it that way. Um, yes. Uh, so... My, my development as a tango musician was, was kind of odd and actually not, I'm not alone because I've met other musicians, some Argentine, some not, that have had a, a similar experience, um, which was that a lot of my development was, was kind of self-taught. Uh, I was in New York with a small number of tango musicians and someone at one point said, you know, we're, we're like orphans. Actually, you know who said it, it was Octavio Brunetti. Mm. I remember he and, and and he was a guy, you know. We had we were the same age, but it was like playing with someone of your parents' generation. It was like playing with an old guy, wow. just the, based on the the encyclopedic knowledge that that he had. He had so much experience, um, but I remember him saying, "Yeah, we're like we're like orphans in New York because we didn't have a generation older than us." Mm -hmm. hanging around and telling us what was right and what was wrong and kind yeah. of busting our chops and being like, Hey, you know, you got to learn more tunes or you got to make it sound more like this. We didn't have that. So a lot of, after my first six months here in Buenos Aires with taking lessons with Aníbal Arias and kind of discovering tango and, you know, listening for the first time, um, I went back to New York and it was basically just listening to recordings. And then with the few friends that I had, most of whom, most of the um, tango musicians at that point in New York were Argentines that had moved to New York to study jazz, you know, and and then had discovered something about tango and like were trying to get into it the same way that I was. So we didn't have a lot to go on. And I remember with tango guitar, so this is to answer your question specifically, I had a moment in 2015 and I had really come pretty far. I felt like I had a career as a professional. I've been playing tango for almost 15 years. I've played in tons of milongas. I had played with um, with important people in tango. You know, I had played with people like, like I played with Daniel Vinelli a couple of times, you know. Um, so I felt like, you know, I've sort of been around the block. I know what I'm doing. But tango guitar specifically, uh, I was pretty lost at sea in terms of having a reference for for the traditional technique. And mm -hmm. um, I came to Buenos Aires in 2015 and, and took some lessons with a guy that I had found that I thought, I saw some videos of him, this guy, Leandro Nikitov, he's amazing. And he is someone I found out later that studied with Bartolome Palermo, who was one of the great tango guitarists um, of the previous generation. And he actually showed me that there's a whole technique for playing tango guitar with a pick when you're playing in a traditional style group with, you know, two or more nylon string guitars. So, you know, most of these groups have something like three or four guitars, right? And there's a way of accompanying singers and playing, you know, playing instrumental, but you play with a pick 
we play with, with a flat pick and some of the guitars are playing rhythm like this and some are playing melodies you know you know uh and he he showed me a few things about actually the way that the mechanics work that i i was just wrong like i didn't I didn't know about them because I had been teaching myself from records for the most part. Mm -hmm. And it was this moment of, oh man, I'm going to have to make a fundamental change in the way that I'm playing this instrument because I really want to play. I want to learn this traditional way of playing. So, you know, that, that your, your, your question, your examples made me think of that specifically, mm -hmm. but yeah, I think it's, it's like getting towards the, the idea of mugre or, you know, you know, mugre is like having a little dirt, right? right? Like it's yeah. it's a type of music that's not it's not precious, and I mean it can can be very delicate and romantic and and all that, but it's not um, it's not delicate in the way the other types of music are. It's it's got you know it's popular music. It it, it was created by people that that taught themselves how to play for the most part. You know, it's not it wasn't it, its origins are not you know that it was fancy music it was mm -hmm. it was music of the people so um there there is something very fundamental about the feeling of the music that has to be i think a little more intuitive you know you can't you can't get too much in your brain you have to feel it right yeah yeah um so 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 those types of experiences i think it's the type of music that that comes with time you know like you might not get the feel of it right away i mm -hmm. you, you, it's you're gonna spend spend years kind of getting the basics and getting the repertoire and getting the, the language down and then reach a point of kind of maturing a little bit and relaxing a little bit and, and getting some of that. Well, I told the story sentiment. earlier. I told the story earlier on the show about um, the, it's, I'll try to sum it really quickly, but the Bendon, one of the Bendonianists for D'Agostino, he said after 15 years of playing, he was told like he can't really keep rhythmic bass in two very well, and it took him five more years to understand how to how to do that. And he'd already been in a successful orchestra mm -hmm. for fifteen years, and pl probably playing much longer. Yeah. And I feel like when you and I've had you know a lot of people have brought this up over the years, like oh it was, you know the deeper we get into any art form, you know it, the, the 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 plateaus are greater, and then the 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 the, the peaks are are steeper, you know. So when you want to get to that next place, yeah. it's like, okay, well, it used to take me three to four years to get there, but now it's taking 10 to 12 <laughs> or whatever because... Well, it becomes yep. a lot more about those nuances yeah. that you're talking about and the details and what Adam was saying. Oh, my God, both of you are Adam, so I love <laughs> this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It never happened to me. What Julie was saying, like, you have to... Sorry, Chica. <laughs> no, it's like what Adam Tully was last saying about like, and you have to let the feelings come in, like, right? and to get to that process. Um, and I think like the phrase, the phrasing he's talking about, and the little nuances. I think like you get more comfortable and more put in more yourself over time, uh, as opposed to repeating stuff that you're learning. It becomes more Absolutely. And you, I agree. And I, I think there's, pro I'm not a dancer, but I think there are plenty of parallels with what we're talking about uh, in music and dance. I mean, sometimes the things are so subtle 
you know, I, I like that you said nuances. Sometimes it's about something like getting into another level of the same material, like maybe a piece you've been playing or dancing to for many years, realizing that it's a song that has words and learning what the words are about. Yeah. That can be that can take you on a whole different journey. And maybe that's not super obvious when someone sees you dance or play, but it, the change is there. And I don't, you know, again, I don't dance, but uh, I think I can tell when I look at dancers if I like them or not. And um, a lot of what I most like looking at when I see people dancing tango, like in a social situation, um, I, I can remember a handful of times where I saw couples, usually older couples, mm -hmm. and they were dancing so simply, but it just seemed so right. And it had so much feeling and it just for whatever, I couldn't put my finger on it, but it looked like tango. I said, what they're doing looks like tango to me. Um, so I would imagine that that type of thing uh, in dancing is the same as is a type thing, thing of music. You can become technically proficient pretty quickly, mm -hmm. um, but then to develop something that feels more like character or, or art or is a little more moving. I think you guys are right. It can, it can take years and it's, it's about uh, a deeper kind of work. That's a little yeah. more subtle. It's... And I think we hear it in a lot of like in, it's I think in everything like, Oh, you, you just with life, you add life to it too. Like you hear it in singers a yeah. lot as well like you'll hear them amazing voice but you hear them 20 years later and they're singing the same song and there 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 is those 20 years they lived that gets added to that and it's just so much yeah because well what you know this sounds like cliche but all of what all of this art we're doing whether it's through music dance painting whatever it's it's a vessel it's a vessel to speak something yeah. to say something that we don't even know what we're trying to say you know that's why we're exactly. using these abstract means to do it and uh, the longer you use those abstract means to do it with the, the the more evanescence comes out and even that is never going to be literal because it's just it's just a symbol of of our essence in a way i don't know how else to say it but you know, we can't define everything with words and we can't define everything with technique and it's just time and, and love and experience and whatever, you know. Yeah. Wow, somebody's getting serious, huh? I've had a couple drinks, my <laughs> friend. Hello, Marcelito. Absolutely. Hey, guys. Marcelito. Hey, Adam. A pleasure. Hey, how's oh, it going? Oh, Fine, are you? Who is that? Hey, Marcelo. <laughs> Marcelo good. Chino good, Gutierrez. Okay. How are you? Fine, fine. <laughs> I am you enjoying your country. Yes, I am in Buenos Aires too. Okay. Uh, okay. And I was enjoying okay. your music, your your talk. I was. Thank you. And you no, know, it's beautiful. And you made Adam uh, became serious and talk from his heart. Congratulations. <laughs> We, you know, we started with bas basketball, basketball and barbecue, and, and we got to <laughs> we got to evanescence. Um, man. So can really, I ask really exactly. uh, that you we play another piece? 
And I can yes, either play absolutely. something that you sent me, or if you want to play another live piece, whichever, whichever you please, prefer. Please, 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 please. Please, <laughs> uh, Well, I don't know how much time we have. I'd, I'd love to play something from the record. I'd love to go out with uh, with one from the record. Sure. Um, there's yes. a there's a track. The first track on on my album La Chegada is called Vals Mio. It's a it's a vals, mm -hmm. and. Uh, it's one of my oldest pieces and one I think that represents me pretty well. People, people tend to like it and I like it. <laughs> All right. So, so let's, I'd love we'll to, I'd love to go out to that. I, you know, you know, it's funny cause well, it's not funny, but well, can we do one more live and then we play the record right after? Sure. We, just, we won't ask any more questions. We promise. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the questions are fun. I mean, I don't, I don't know what your your listeners prefer, but uh, I, oh, I, I could talk for hours you know, about Adam, this stuff. When we did the soundtrack Same yesterday. Here. You asked me like, how long is the segment, and I said, well, it depends on the guests. Sometimes we go, depends, you know, blah blah blah. And you didn't let on. You weren't like, oh, I'll, I would love to talk for a while. You were just like, okay. <laughs> but no, it's yeah, been no, great. I have. Yeah, I, I, have I, I think I didn't really know. I think I. I still have so many more questions, so I would love to have you back again. Yes, I'd love to come back. Sure. This is this has been this has been really fun. Um, so okay, I'm gonna play a, a piece that I really like because we've talked so much about music and composers, and we talked about Tangle profiles. And I did a profile of, about this guy. I think he's one of the most important and one of my favorite Argentine composers ever and world composers, Horacio Salgan. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, we talk so much about tango and about guitar. I think this is a good this is a good piece to play. This is my arrangement of a piece that he wrote called Aquellos Tangos Camperos. And we talked about guitar and old tangos. And tangos camperos were uh, at the very beginning of tango. There was a mixture of music from the countryside. You know, you guys have all heard milonga, the, the slower milonga campera. That, like that type of of music, um, which is folk music from, from this area, from the province of Buenos Aires and La Pampa. And um, so there's some really old tangos that were influenced by that style of music. And Horacio Salgan wrote a piece that is sort of remin reminiscent of that style of tango. Um, so anyway, and, and it's sort of a difficult piece and people think I was kind of crazy for trying to figure it out on solo guitar, but uh, I think I'm kind of crazy for trying to figure it out, but, <laughs> but I think it works. So, <laughs> so this, is, this is a beautiful piece by Horacio Salgan, Aquellos Tangos Camperos. <laughs> Thank mm -hmm. you. 
I love Horacio Salgado. I've always loved his quirky. Yeah. Oh, that's great to hear. La Calavrada, things like that. Yeah. Yeah, a fuego lento. There's there's so many great things, and there's a great duo, him and the guitar, uh, Ubaldo de Leo, piano and electric guitar, and that it's there's nothing else but piano and guitar, and listen to it. It is some of the greatest tango music, and it is so. It sounds so much like tango music. And right there when people, anytime someone said, oh, are you sure you can do tango with just piano and guitar? It'll sound like tango. And of course it will. If, if you know how to play tango, it'll sound like tango. So wow. definitely ch- check out the duo of Salgan de Leo. It's, it's amazing stuff. Okay, we will. That sounds really exciting. By the way, And I'm glad to that... hear. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry to interrupt, Chico. I'm glad to hear that you as dancers like Salgan because well, that's I, sometimes I've heard, you know, it's t- maybe not, not danceable or not. I have a tanda that I yeah. play once in a while and La Clavada's in it and uh, the piece you mentioned. And I don't know if the whole room really jumps up for joy for it, but I fucking love it. But Can like you spell the yeah. Leo for me? That's I'm going to put it in the show notes here. Salgan y de Leo. Yeah. Delio, it's it's two separate words, de, D-E, and then Leo, L-I-O. I-O, okay, that's what I thought, okay. And if you look up that, yeah, look up that duo, Salgan de Leo, you'll find awesome. you'll find some great recordings. Awesome. Salgan is one of the nicest uh, music to hear and as well for dancing, uh, as personally. And there is one song that I recommend for, for everybody who wants to hear like, I don't know if you agree, Adam, uh, the essence of uh, Salgan is in sueños. Uh, I have to go back Definitely. and look at my tanda. Yeah. That might be one of them in there, yeah. It's been so long. I mean, obviously, it's been I, I think... 20 weeks. But beyond that, I haven't played Salgan in a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> I think just about anything by Salgan sounds like Salgan. He had such a strong personality and, mm-hmm. you know... He could do like his version of Recuerdo sounds very different than Pugliese. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he he could do Caminito, and it sounds like oh man, that's that's Salgan, and it's amazing. So yeah, and Sueños definitely is beautiful. There is Derecho Viejo. There is a bunch of that. And they're very danceable, I think. That's great to hear. All right, so we're gonna play um, one. Your I'll play Vals Mio. Before we, we wrap it up with Adam, with you, and um, wonderful. Thank you for joining you. us. I yeah, it's been such a. Would pleasure. love to have you back. My I God. have a ton of questions, and um, but thank you. And I am seeing my I'm seeing my Podbean screen. I am sitting in between two Adams, so I can make a wish. <laughs> That's wonderful. That you guys, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hope that must be a back. Turkish thing. I've never. <laughs> 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 thank you so much for having me, and and I'd love to come back. Yeah. Thanks so much, man. It was cool. great. 
Um, so I'm going to play this big, piece. Big hugs from Buenos Aires. Thank you. Right back at yeah. you. Such a pleasure to hear you, your art, my friend. Thank you so much for Thank the you. night. <laughs> Thank you so much. I hope to I hope to see you in person when this is all over. Absolutely, we'll be back. Soon. Yes, and we need to go to eat some empanadas and nothing of spicy, please. Here, make no. There is no Mexican thing here. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 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 All right, I'm gonna play. Val, I'm gonna play Valsmio, and then we're gonna have Paul give us a call. Oh my God, Paul, give us a call. Thanks, guys. Ciao, man. Bye. <laughs> bye, bye. Take care.
Wow. Beautiful. So One of the things, I don't know if you know, the, there is a guitar, famous guitarist player here in Argentina, which is at Atahualpa Yupanqui. And I, I heard some of, of that in his play. And it's impressive, as something that Adam was mentioning, to catch that essence of, of certain particular music. It's not easy. And, and, and wow. Amazing, such an amazing job of Adam. Yeah, it was such an honor to have so many amazing musicians every week, and, and tonight having Adam, and the fact that he has my name, and yeah. every time you say how amazing Adam is, I, I'm flattered <laughs> anyway. Because <laughs> well, you've okay. never ever so spoken, chico. You've never spoken this. So nice chico, let the world just ask. Like, yeah, I was, yes, I was man. Back. You were like, "Oh, and Adam is so amazing." I was like, "Wow, thank you, finally, <laughs> finally, I'm recognized. <laughs> finally, I'm seen and heard." <laughs> Something that Adam was saying, guys, and I was was almost goosebumps when he was mentioned about that essence, and when you guys were talking about the essence too. And it's, it is totally true. It's something that I start to understand now. I don't know if you, the guys who are listening to the podcast, like uh, Gustavo, Opacha, all these people that are listening. There is something, uh, I was taking a lesson with, with Lautaro. He's a musician, a tango musician too, a dance teacher. And he was mentioning something about the paste, which is the essence too. And he was, some, he was saying something that all of us, we are going to relate to. You know, when we see some somebody or we live in a place and we for a reason we go to the to the way of that the timing that this person or that place take in order to execute something example new york the new york time or when 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 we see our our mom cook or when we see the somebody that we love cook or when we when we are with somebody that we appreciate that we know the timing of that person mm -hmm. that pace that this person mm -hmm. has yeah uh, Right, the way of talk, and uh, something that Adam was mentioning to 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 learn how to the Argentinian talk this Italian, Italianish in our Spanish, and and when I was listening to tango and as now I, I think that we are talking in our in some of our lesson that we are giving the Sunday guys this paste that they have the old milongueros they hear that song so many times and they are so porteños from some some way that when they dance they have this paste they have this internal rhythm that match the music that they are dancing even though they sometimes they are not matching the metric of what we are yeah, listening yeah, absolutely mm -hmm. so it's yeah, beautiful yeah, yeah. and that's what makes it special that they are not on the metric of the music well that's the, the yeah it's, it's like, beautiful um, this when you're on the metric all the time, you're just very uh, cerebral. There's no, you know, like you wrote before, Marcelo Cadencia. There's no, it's just, oh, I can mark the beat. I, it's like you watch dancers and it's like, I'm on the beat. And you're like, it's like that guy from The Simpsons, like, I'm special. <laughs> yeah, we all, we all know that, buddy. <laughs> you can, you can step on the beat. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's Speaking super interesting when very I, special, I don't... Paul Paul just Paul, me. <laughs> Paul what's your... Hi Paul, Paul. Can you tell me how to say Hi, your guys. last name? Yeah, you you really Bad hacked enough. it up when you 
I said Babino, right? I've you got it perfect, Chico. Of course, Chico got it perfect. Domino. It it originates from Bienvenue, which means welcome. That was the first. That that's Mm, what it was originally, mm -hmm. and then it was changed twice. Wow, that is a gorgeous way. That's Marcelo, this is Paul. Paul, this is Marcelo. (laughs) Paul is our guest on the show, and Marcelo is just here bothering us. Yes, I'm just here because I'm bored. And yeah, I want to bother people, and I want to bother Adam, especially. So I'm here. So nice to meet you, Paul. Nice to meet you as well. That music was amazing. That was a that was a treat. Yeah, Yay. it was wonderful to have him. Yes. Who is the it's Dean? So nice to talk about music. I see oh. a day Dean. So. How are you, Chica? <laughs> it's been such a long time. I miss you. We were gonna be. I know. I miss again. you. I miss you very much. I don't miss Adam that much, but I, I miss <laughs> you a lot. <laughs> well, Adam makes you run over bikers, man. <laughs> Oh man! Oh god! That guy ran into the car. Remember, he ran into a parked car. You this? Okay, Marcelo, listen. We're driving. Paul is driving. We're in Maine for a a work gig last year, and we're we're living on on an incline on a street with an incline. So we're driving down the street, and Paul busts a Yui. He busts a fucking (laughs) U-turn, and I can see in the side mirror that there's a guy coming down the sidewalk on a bicycle. But Paul missed this, and this old man is on a bicycle, and he runs dead no. into a parked car because he swerves out of Paul's way. And I, mean, I guess because we're in Portland, Maine, the guy apologizes anyway because he just fucking ran. He's like, I'm sorry. Oh, I don't know if and Paul's like, oh. oh my god, I had completely suppressed that memory. <laughs> oh, oh my lord. What I are they saw talking the man about? fly into a parked car on his bicycle. Because I, I was like, oh shit. And he <laughs> swerved and bam. And I'm like, oh my god. Oh, and he was so he apologized. He's such a nice person. But he said sorry. Uh, no, I'm. <laughs> I really am a careful driver, too. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, but you were shocked. You're like, I did not see him at all. <laughs> I did not see him. It was a steep hill, and, like, he came out of nowhere for me. Anyways, I didn't Well, he was, on the, he was on the sidewalk. I don't think that's the smartest place for a cyclist to be because True. you as a driver not are not physical, looking yeah. for quick-moving vehicles on a sidewalk. Anyway, you're a bad driver. Good thing you're that the guy was not going fast. <laughs> hey, great to, to be on. So, how are things going up there? Things are going well. We certainly miss having you. It was so nice when you guys came to visit at the Portland community. I posted the event here today on the, the Portland Tango community page and Got a shout out from a couple, and people, all, so all none of them showed um, up, so that's great. <laughs> <laughs> all, all none of them. Well, they listen to it tomorrow. Well, to be fair, I to be fair, I kind of posted it later in the day. Uh-huh. So, um, then, 
So they may have had plans. Oh, I'm sure they have plenty of things well, to do on a Wednesday night in Portland, Oregon. Yeah, or did. Portland, Maine, sorry. <laughs> Portland, Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> no, Portland, Maine. Portland, Maine. But somebody did, the doctors and somebody special showed up. I, I, I actually reached the house. out Dr. and I asked this person. Dr. Dance. Dr. Dance. I asked Dr. Dance yeah. to come say hi. If you can figure out how to call in. Well, we'll... Yes, yeah, Sydney, come on come in. Come on in, Sydney. <laughs> so, uh, Paul, you're, you're in, officially Sid. our guest on this segment called Five Questions. Oh, he doesn't have a headset. And, uh, Oh, I'm going to officially welcome you. Five questions. <laughs> Five questions. Five questions. Five questions. <laughs> Can who you recognize who's singing? Is that is that that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, that's Pat Johnson. Yep. <laughs> I recognize the voice and like there's no one else that would do that. <laughs> and do you know how many takes he sent me? So I, I, I had this idea. Chico and I were like coming up with segments for the show and we had like Tango Confessions and this and that and five questions. And it came out of my it came out like can't touch this. And I was like five questions <laughs> and, <laughs> and i was like oh i want to and i was it was the early days of the quarantine and i was learning new stuff on the computer like how to use it and all that stuff <laughs> and i'm like oh maybe i'll make a little jingle for different parts of the show and i wrote i wrote that and i said hey i got this idea and he sent me i don't have them on my phone right now but i i played them in the past like probably 20 he was like five questions five questions like he went through the <laughs> gamut of like how to do five questions and i was like yo it's gonna sound like you know it's gonna uh, fit in the rhythm of mc hammer and so we we finally got one that worked for the song but i have all these great recordings now of, of bat johnson saying five questions in the most play... random ways possible <laughs> if it's easy adam you have to play his laugh oh yeah no i have i kept that, that right here because this is genuine this is amazing <laughs> that is amazing. Uh, well, welcome to five welcome questions. To yeah, I, I gotta say, I really miss New York. I miss the dancers. I miss that community a lot. It's like my home away from home. Yeah, you know? it's your second home. It definitely is. It's definitely. I think it's my chosen tango home. Uh, you know, I I love mm. my local community because I grew up dancing here. But um, you guys have an amazing community uh, in Portland. I would say yes, for a smaller, yeah. like small town community, and we've been around a lot, and all of us have. You know, who's listening and participating yeah. in the program? But Portland, or Portland, Oregon. I got to tell you all. No, I'm just kidding. Portland, Maine. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm confused. I don't know where I am. I'm Portland, Oregon, or Portland, or where I am. Where I am. No, Portland, I'm Maine, in Springfield. Really cool, really good community. Very nice level. Very knowledgeable. They um, we are very lucky. Yeah, yeah. Very very lucky. they take it very too. seriously. But as I mean, obviously in a fun way. But like they respect the dance a lot yes. and, and dance well. And 
I mean, we made them dance like zombies in class, and everybody was so into it. That was <laughs> awesome. Remember? And you know, we came up with <laughs> that, that on the so spot. People really loved your teaching. They really did yeah. love you. I came up with that. We came up with that and on they... the spot. Like, just like that song. But we do this sort of shit all around, and sometimes people just look yeah. at us like we're crazy. <laughs> and there they were like, all right, we're on. Let's do this. Yeah, that was awesome. Well, I, I can't. Um, not say like this community has been led by a lot of really dedicated people. Um, you being have, one, I'm one of them. Yeah, certainly. Um, I had my place in the community, um, kind of around the practica and then around teaching, and then but everyone has played a really important part, and I think, um, really keeping traditional music as like sort of the center piece of, of of how we run the practica and that kind of thing and understanding that like maybe elsewhere we play other types of music but in the center that's how we're gonna get art because we don't have ilongas every night and we don't have practicas every night we have one practica a week and one ilonga a month usually mm -hmm. and so it takes a lot of dedication of people uh, a lot of people over a lot of years because it's mm -hmm. the community. I've been in the community for 15 years and it was, I think it's been going for about 20 years because I know Javier Rochwager. I don't know if you guys. Oh know yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Not, not, not well, but, but yeah, we met him a lot when he was, he was doing a lot of work in Portland, a lot, uh, Providence part. <laughs> He was in yeah, Portland, yeah, yeah. Oregon. You know, I never have been. No, uh, Providence, Rhode Island, as well. <laughs> I met him back in those days. I never yeah. been in Maine. Interesting. It's, they don't beautiful. it's a really beautiful oh, place. Yeah, it's a nice state. It's... Summer could be a little bit longer, but um, gets a little cold in the winter. But it's a gorgeous state. Yeah, yeah. it's very beautiful. So how how do you manage to? And I know it's not you alone, but we have as i said before we all have been to small communities and and you know to be honest a lot of them are very dysfunctional um how has it managed to work that you know everybody in portland for the most part it seems no, no they kind of like yeah they kind of hold their own they they help they know when to be they know when to give they know when to not take they know when to hold back their opinions they know when to not try to take over i feel like smaller communities in general there's usually a dynamic between like one person and one group and another group and it turns into this drama and you guys seem to have a very nice synergy yeah, certainly there certainly can and we've had you know you can't go so many years of of running something without that happening and and um but i think we've when push comes to shove, we, we've done a really good job of uh, seeing what's important. And uh, I think, you know, tango is a strange dance, too. Like, you know, <laughs> you don't walk into a practica. In the, well, I just mean from, a, from running things. And I'm sure you guys may experience this, but New York is so different than, like, trying to run something like you guys can do your own thing. Other people can do their own thing. Here is if someone comes in and just does their own thing, it affects the community. Mm -hmm. And so everyone kind of has to be in communication with one another. 
or at least be respectful enough to say, I'd like to do this and, you know, probably going to do it anyways, but I want to just give a heads up. And uh, that kind of communication is super important. But I, mm -hmm. the, to the point of what I was saying is, is that like someone, you know, I, it took me a little while to learn this, but, you know, you can be, you know, organizing for 10 years and someone new comes in and their attitude might not be, you know, thank you for the last 10 years you, you know, created mm -hmm. this. You know, they yeah. come in and they fall in love with the dance. And there's, we all go through this, um, I use the word carefully, but like we go through this little bit of narcissism. That's a, an important part of learning anything. Narcissism is a part of growth uh, when we learn something new. And so as a person within the community, you have to know that that's part of someone's growth and they're both through, they'll likely go through that and uh, they'll likely. Do you uh, think that's a natural growth in everyone? Well, or that's what it sounded like you were saying. to happen here I and mean, the president's going through yeah, it right now. I'm sure he'll grow out of it. I'm sure he'll grow out of it at the ripe young age of 74. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but he seems like he might. No, not, I, 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 I remember stage. being that way as a young. Like I started in my but you younger twenties. I know, but still, like it's it's actually, I have an excuse. I can always say, well, I was in my younger twenties. It's funny because most people start tango in their like late to late thirties to early forties, and then they go through it, and then you're like, you're a, a fucking adult, and you're acting like a child, man. <laughs> like. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I, I think that it's, um, yeah, and we, we have a lot of people that are starting in their 40s, 50s, mm -hmm. 60s. Uh, uh, it's just a different community up here, and we have all ages. But, yeah, and I'm not talking about, like, hardcore narcissism. I'm just talking about the growth yeah, of, of course. being proud of, like, what you're doing. And then that can, you know, kind of spin off into not – exactly being mr trump but again it can uh you know it can sometimes turn into Over like shadows. hey i know what we should play for music or we i know what this should be and and that's fine like it's just it's like then you just say hey listen this is how we it's how we've run things for a while and you have really good points we just try to work together. That's our mm -hmm. main thing. If we don't work together, this thing can't work. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, it just can't. And and, um, and it's so easy for it to, to, to disintegrate. I think it's sort of like working with your parents, right? <laughs> like you have to work <laughs> with the other generation that's been then like sort of find a mutual respecting ground. I think but nobody I wants know, to work with a parent. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, and this is no lie, I, through being part of the tango community and organizing and teaching and all that, I decided that I wanted to learn nonviolent communication because mm -hmm. of, not, not solely for that, but that was a huge part of it of like, how do you know, there's a lot of personalities, and how do you... You were probably a very violent person before. 
<laughs> well, really good idea, Paul. Really good. <laughs> violent only in the way that I wasn't being able to express myself in a way mm -hmm. that made others feel safe. Yeah. And not and that doesn't necessarily have to be violent. It just means that, um, you know, you can you can be in a car driving with someone and and say, you know, you're driving too fast, and that's like a judgment, right? Mm -hmm. um, rather than saying, you know, like, I, I don't feel safe. Yeah. That's like coming from how I feel, not like what you're doing. Not what, what you're doing, um, yeah. And so... And, and for the guy who was in the bike? The guy, yeah. <laughs> he was driving too Apparently, fast. Paul's, <laughs> like, nonviolence training has gotten so deep that he didn't have to do anything. The guy apologized when he ran into the fucking car the himself. Guy apologized <laughs> to me. He's like, I'm fucking 70. I think I broke my hip. I'm sorry. Uh... <laughs> wow, man. Uh... You, wow. I'm impressed. <laughs> But uh, no, thank you so much for for mentioning the community because I'm very proud of it, and and uh, and I know that a lot of people that are involved in it are proud of it, and we all have contributed, not more one one more than the other. It's all, you know. There's people that house teachers. There's people that um, feed teachers. You know, do the nivagas, mm -hmm. and yeah, and there, there's a lot that's involved in in doing that, and it's nice that. When I'm handling one part of it at times, or when I mm -hmm. want to step away, someone else moves right in and says, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try this. And how are you guys and with so... fostering new, new growth in the sense that like, I've heard in other, I've heard in the, uh, well, in other communities that if, if that are smaller, that, you know, when, when a new kid comes on the scene like they're like oh we want to start an event and the, the community itself will shun them and be like no we don't have room for you this is the way it is um and i'm not a big fan of that i think but it, i'm curious how you I guys think it's our hallmark pardon yeah i really do i do think it's our hallmark i think it's our the thing that we do best in the sense of when i first started dancing in the community it was like okay this is it's starting to go to other communities and this is clearly the kindest community um people are really kind but our skill set just wasn't there and changing a skill set in a community is not a fast moving thing as you know it takes years to become mm -hmm. a good dancer and some of these dancers that were starting in their 50s and 60s they're not going to necessarily rock it to being a great dancer within a, even a few years. It may take them six, seven years to really start to mm -hmm. uh, feel, you know, especially in... Um, especially with in the amount great. of practice. I was just going to say you have one practice a week and a Milonga a month, so they don't have a lot of exposure yeah. to, to improving, right? Yeah, that was a. that's always been sort of a... But I, hard but I will say on top of that, though, yeah. I was really impressed by the level of the community based on all mm -hmm. of that, you know, in spite of all that, I should say. Yeah, I think collectively we've done a very good job of bringing teachers that echo similar um, philosophies. And so, mm -hmm. and now it's been, I kind of look at things very holistically and not microscopically. So like when I'm, I want to, 
if I bring a teacher, I want to know like how that teacher is going to, like I think about how that teacher is going to affect these dancers a year from now. Like what's the community going to be <clears throat> looking like because of the influence of these teachers? You know? mm -hmm. What and, um, uh, so kind of, what sort of curriculum do you uh, think is good for for a community at your size with your amount of dancing locally and on a weekly monthly basis like how have you guys been so successful creating such competent i would say intermediate level dancers who really have a grasp on the musicality and on the culture and the etiquette and the navigation things that things that are overlooked in a lot of smaller communities even in new york for that matter um what is what are some of your go-to's for like beginners well i certainly every teacher that i've brought that um not every I, I would say that most that i've brought and i i think it has become a part of how we operate is that we we really like them to talk about etiquette um so that's one thing so etiquette isn't just about like okay this is how you enter the floor and this is how you ask someone to dance but it's like hey there's an overarching thing here about being polite and kind and like treating people in a certain way and and because people's skill set is like not wasn't you know when i first joined the community wasn't that high and it's gotten better over the years um they could kind of hold on that part and, and learn a lot you know because you don't have to be an amazingly physically gifted person to be a great dancer and that's what I love. One of the things I really love about tango, I had a student for many years. I won't say his name, but I, he was uh, someone that the first time he came in, I noticed the way that he walked. And I thought, this guy, women are going to love dancing with this guy. Mm. But it's going to take him five years to get there. Because mm. he, his body doesn't remember things very easily mm -hmm. uh, he if he takes a week off it's like starting over again mm -hmm. but he he cares about women and he cares about connecting and he has a smooth enough walk that if he can hone on that i guess what i the overall thing of what i'm saying is like what i have always focused on in my teaching and i think others have followed suit, or maybe that's just their style as well, is that we don't focus on moves. We kind of keep things basic. And therefore, when someone comes in and they are new and they're doing a lot of really strong moves, like within the first six months, and they're all about learning moves, then it's not really... I won't say that it's not welcome. I'll just say that a lot of followers that say, you know, I've seen this before and this is how we dealt with it. And so the followers would be like, hey, could you just walk with me? <laughs> yeah. So we, 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 we work very hard at saying, hey, you know, practica is a place where we're learning. So like 
it's really nice. But you know, to, you're not always great. Enthusiasm is contagious, and if somebody, if you're joining a community and they're enthusiastic about certain things, like walking, or pausing, or being exactly. musical, or, yeah. or holding somebody in a certain way, then the person who came in with this idea, like, oh, Tango, you're gonna like, oh, there's a rose, and there's this, and there's a hat, and you know, like, and the community's like, no, we we really like this. Um, that's contagious, and I've felt that way myself with everybody I've chosen to study from. And Marcelo, who's on the call right now, like I, Chico, and I met Marcelo because I saw we saw him dancing, and I was like, we saw that's yeah. I want I want to walk like that, like that's crazy, like exactly insanely yeah. amazing walking, yeah. and um, and that was it. And or yeah, Horacio was like, oh, does. the musicality here. This is like what I want to encapsulate and and then there's other people that have come into my life and they've just played me a piece of music that i you know and i would hear it and i'd be like oh i don't even like this song and they'd be like oh i love this song because of this and this and that and i would leave and be like i love this song now <laughs> because it's contagious <laughs> right. it's like wow i see how much they love what they're doing and now i'm really into it i am like the guy that you're mentioned paul i don't know how much of this Skills, so just I walk, just walking. Mm -hmm. So it's okay. No, <laughs> there's so no much. Drama. There's so much beauty in the in just the walk, and everything yes. that you ever do in tango is coming from standing leg position, and therefore everything you do is just another step. It just direction changes, intention may be subtly different, but it's really the same thing. The same. That's what I've tried to do is in my own dancing, and then in subsequently in my own teaching, is to say, you know, the way that I I focus so much on the way that I walk in the first like six years of dancing. That's I'd literally just walk up and down the studio for the first half an hour to forty five minutes, and I because I knew that that was the essence of the dance. Yeah. And if you can really walk beautifully and caringly, then um, then there's so much you can do within the tempo of your walk and the changing of, or subtle changes of the embrace and the just the subtlety of like moving slightly quicker and then slowing down and pausing or leaving one foot slowly and landing slowly or moving quickly and landing slowly. and all those nuances all are those so fascinating to explore you know you can just go yeah you can go bonkers with that i mean marcelo you don't ever have to do a figure marcelo was yeah. the one when i feel like when i, I maybe chico can correct can correct me but when we started working with marcelo was when we started warming up with walking remember like in the hot days of Buenos Aires, like we would, it, we used to oh we God, used to like warm up that, yeah. with whatever, arguing and kicking each other, and and then and then we would like we would just <laughs> embrace and we would walk. I remember we were at that gym one day, like that bo bottom floor of that really hot gym, and that became like a new thing for us. Like just okay, let's yeah, walk it, yeah. and we would just walk and try to take the longest close embrace, really long, beautiful steps. And that would be like our warm up for twenty ten to twenty minutes before we got into all the uh 
Yeah, calculus and trigonometry and all the shit. <laughs> <laughs> but that was like also the beauty of like Marcelo, that one performance that drew us to you was it was one of the most boring songs you could have ever Yeah, heard. your taste in music is lacking, my friend. Like but a... your dancing to it is, is good. No, 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 can I finish? That's not what I'm I'm a genius, you don't understand me, that is the point. I think you're a stable genius. It was actually, it was actually a genius choice because it was some electronic tango. It was Adam. What genius, my friend, admit it. I'm going to fucking kick you off the... Try it. God damn it. Sorry, Paul. I'm we didn't mean to bring you into working. our love triangle here. <laughs> right. Oh, I'm not going to tell my story. Come on, tell the story. Now I'm really curious. <laughs> yeah, me too. Tell the story. <laughs> well, the story was that you danced to this, for me, boring electronic tango song. It was Pa Bailar. Because you walked. Was it? Yeah, it was Pa Bailar by, uh, who the fuck is that techno band? Uh... Hey, Baco Fondo. We were young. We were super young. And I was, oh yeah. my lord, that was a long time no, ago. No, but it was like, good. It was, she's true. I was just so joking. Many it was different... really Jesus, Adam. <laughs> Can I talk? I'm jumping. <laughs> no, like Adam said, you just like rocked it by just walking to mm -hmm. it. And he walked in so many different textures. Like the song was so boring, but you made it look interesting with the textures you created and just walking. Oh, it's Oh my fondo, lord, I got to go crush. I got flush. Oh my lord. <laughs> and something that Paul was sorry, I to say something that Paul was saying. I think that this subtlety of of the landing for me is is, is fascinating. It's such a and and I I like to see Animals. I like to see the, for instance, the cats or different kind of other kind of animals. How they they change their way of landing, and through the way of landing, they change every all the attitude in their bodies, and has many meanings. And it's something that fascinating. That's cool. Yeah, you know, and I, another thing I've noticed about that I kind of learned along the way is that a lot of dances, like the tango really uses the standing leg so much to empower uh, or generate movement. Um, and if you really look at other dances, the same thing is going on. And I mean, you, you pick the dance and it's happening. I mean, I, my background is in break dancing and that's how I started dancing. And I never, you know, looked at myself as a dancer, but I started break dancing when I was in, probably 13, 14, 15. And then years later, I, I uh, got back into it as more of a, like a teacher and did some performing and stuff. But it, it really, um, I know that when I started tango, I saw such similarities in the two dances, even though they're seem, they're seemingly so different. The way that uh, you move and the way it, they're so musically based in in breakdancing it's everything is uh it, it's more rhythmic it's much more rhythmic where 
Um, tango, I was really, I gravitated towards the melody at first. And I just was in love with Vals and then the rhythmic part of it came along. But uh, mm -hmm. I think dances are just so much more universal than we sometimes give it credit. Like there's, there are things that are really connect them. When you say that, do you mean like all dances are universally connected? Is that what you were saying? Well, I guess that there's, there's, I think you have to look at, first of all, whether or not, um, is this dance improvisational? And then that, like, if you look at other improvisational dances, then there's like a lot of you, there's a lot of, um, universality like within those dances and like it's, similarities you, know, you mean similarities yeah where this could be true for a lot of dances that have an improvisational nature to them if if the dance itself is based upon learning figures and there's not a lot of improvisation within the moment then it's a very it, it's not wrong or anything it's just a you know, very much a different st style of how you approach dancing, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, so, at the same time, uh, I'm sorry. Yes, Paul. Well, I was just going to say, because improvisational dance requests you to be 100% in the moment, and that creativity is happening in an unplanned way. And it has a reaction yeah, like to that. the other... Yeah, like I, how I, I often say that like, a, a, you know, a follower, if a good follower, I mean, a good leader gets taught how to dance by his follower. Like, mm -hmm. if I dance with Chico, say, she can tell me how to dance with her. If I'm really paying attention she can tell me exactly how to dance with her. Yeah. Now, I'm going to have my own version of how to be musical mm. with this particular song. But energetically, she tells me how to move with her. And um, yeah, I, would never I can dare. talk about tango forever. No, we spoke about this. <laughs> I, I think it was like last week or two weeks ago, we were speaking about something similar, how we we learn how to dance from the partner you know in the moment once you have established that you have the technique and the in the basics and all that stuff like you're always just listening and reacting and learning from the person you're dancing with i think marcelo and i were we, we were talking about this on the last podcast yeah we were how yeah. you're yeah, we're connect so deeper intent. to go ahead sorry go ahead go ahead uh marcelo has been wanting to say something marcelo, ah, so yes <laughs> oh, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. I love you too, Adam. You know, it's, it's a deep love that we have. Uh, no, but I want to say something. I was talking with one of my friends, Carolina. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Great Twilight oh, Zone. No, no, no. I didn't make sound. I didn't make noise. Come Your on. Your voice is You're a sound. You're talking. It's making noise. <laughs> Your voice is a sound. <laughs> You need to go, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Zone. It's not that you're talking too oh, much. Yeah. It's that you're talking. 
Directly, <laughs> pure. <laughs> I'm going to say something really All deep right. and from my heart, please. I'd love to hear it. Go ahead. I was talking with my with, with my friend Karina uh, Buenaventura here, and he, she's a professional dancer. She runs the Milonga uh, School Mariposita here, and we were like in these talks about tango and philosophy and stuff. And she said something beautiful, and coming to what you guys are talking, she said, "We didn't realize how much we are missing to get influence by the other person when we dance." When we dance with somebody and we are open to feel the other person, at the same time, we are open to feel, be changed by the other person. So mm -hmm. even though that we finish the dancing, there is something that has changed because we share this moment with that person. And when that happens is when we evolve. And it's beautiful image and it's amazing how the community and uh, tango particularly, right? But I think as well as Adam was mentioned before about the art form, when this conversation and this mutual respect happen, we are willing to get changed by the other person. And that is beautiful. That's what I want to say. Now you can kick me out. <laughs> well, now I want to like <laughs> stroke you and grab your hand. It's very... <laughs> it's... <laughs> <laughs> I want to hold your hand. And... It's also... I want to just... And it's not If I could just... add to that. Yeah. No, no, go ahead, Chico. Go ahead. I was going to say, like, it's not only in the dance. Like, I think this is very true to any human interaction. Like, and it could be momentary or it could be a longer time influence of a change that you're showing. The very simple idea could be that you're having a very sad day, but you meet up with your friend and... They are in a different rhythm of emotions um, and it changes your mood. And the dance is the same. Like you influence, like you can't help but react to that expression in each other. Even when it's not intended for it just happens. Do you know what I mean? Am I making any sense? I do. Yeah, I think because I was going to say, yeah, I do. I definitely agree. And I think that for me, the you know, you when you start out learning the dance, I think to really become a talented dancer for both follower and leader, there's a point where your proprioception and your awareness of proprioception. Are you guys familiar with that word? Mm -hmm. Yes, I love that word. Just like where your body is in space. Like, so if I'm. I, I love that word. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so, like, when I dance and when my awareness can first feel where I'm in space and understand that and be aware of like all my facilities, like as I'm walking and as I'm trying to translate how I feel to the music um, to my body it then has to graduate from that. It's like going into grad school. I have to do that now beyond my body and into my follower's body and know what's going on with her. And that's what I, what I was trying to say earlier, Chico, was like, say if I was dancing with you, the, the way a follower 
creates the dance is that she's just being, she's just feeling. And she walks and she feels beautiful. And if she feels beautiful, then we know kind of how energetically each of us will have an interpretation of how to move from that mm-hmm. to create that and to also create dynamic, right? So mm-hmm. like if we only go slow, then the dynamic is stale. And so feminine energy is like the wind. It's always moving. And so if we understand that, then we can understand how to to move that energy by creating dynamic. But it is really based in the follower. You know, when a leader gets done with his dance, he's not going over and looking at the mirror and seeing how happy he is. He looks at the follower and see how she feels. And that's what feeds us a lot yeah, as leaders, I believe. I, I feel beautiful sometimes when I dance. Remember Chichico, how sometimes I yes. do? Yes, yeah. I love yeah, that I sensation too. Yeah, dancing, I, 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 if we can share these two concepts, like this, the, like what you call it feminine energy, and as well, let that, let that energy modify us as a, as a male. It's a beautiful sensation too. And uh, this is something I start to learn and let myself be, allow myself to explore that, that way of dancing, we can say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's gorgeous to, to feel this femininity movement in my own movement. Mm-hmm. It feels awesome. Uh, We haven't asked any questions for the five questions segment, by the way. No, we did. You asked about, we are actually asked three questions, I think. What more the conversation is You guys did ask questions. Hey, Paul. Yeah, we did. I don't know if they were planned or not. Why are you a Red Sox fan? Um, I could tell you were just because I know you as a person, and I hate this. (laughs) (laughs) You know, to be honest with you, I, I'm not saying I'm not a Red Sox <laughs> fan, but you know, you know what my there's only one my, team uh, for the whole Eastern Seaboard above New York. It's the fucking Red Sox. Oh my God! Don't get me started. <laughs> no, I'm a Celtics fan through and through. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I couldn't care. You know, like um, it's been a pleasure to watch the Patriots do what they do, but I. When people are like all about them, I, I really couldn't care less. I, for me, it's always been the Red Sox. I mean, I've been the Celtics. I met Larry Bird when I was 11 years old. I got chosen to go to this rookie camp. Oh, you told me that story when we were visiting. That's so cool. Yeah. I'm actually only was, asking this question so Marcelo gets off the phone because I know he hates sports. <laughs> Oh. I am like now bored too, thanks to you. I'm, in the middle of Adam and I could have our own sports port podcast, you know. But I, I will say that I uh, that is my truest love is 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 uh, in sports is definitely my 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 Celtics. I I love them, hmm. and uh, but I, of course I love the Red Sox as well. Do you uh, like uh, the Bill Simmons, been... uh, the Ringer podcast? You ever listen to that? You know, I haven't heard Bill Simmons in quite a while. He was a bit of a bombastic sort of writer for a time there, and then he, 
when he started doing his own 30 for 30 and stuff, he, I don't know if he writes as much. I think he probably does more of the podcast. Well, he had a similar story though, about like as a child, he got into the Celtics because his father had season tickets and they would go as kids. So he had a similar starting point is, is why I'm oh, yeah, thinking he's, of that. He's seen some of the most classic yeah. bird games. I know that. Yeah. All right, we'll Marcella, let's go of, in uh... the next room. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. Let's switch off. No sports. Let's go get a drink, Marcella. Guys, Adam and I could literally, Adam and I could the, literally talk hours about For that. the rest of the world, we don't understand many things of the Americans. And one of the things that we don't understand, how you guys like baseball? So really strange. You, you don't want to ask that question right now because I'll go on for a while. You don't want to ask that question because, yeah, yeah I'll say it this it way, Marcella. <laughs> just to, to, to give you a very quick answer, baseball can be a, a, the most beautiful opera you've ever watched. It, it is, it is it, by the, just by looking at it, it seems like such a simple thing, but it is, it really is such a baseball beautiful... is the closest thing to tango that I know of that exists outside of tango. Like in the in well, I will, I'll, let me say it a little yeah. simpler. If you were to consider sports and dance, baseball and tango are one and the same in their genre. Like baseball has so many. Like that... the deeper you go, the deeper you can why? keep going because it's so. Why? Because. Everything yeah, is one. everything is calculated in the moment. It's all it's improvised perfect. in the moment, but it's based on. You're such, such a chum, that, such a chamusha. You look like Argentinian talking. Look, look. <laughs> no, but it, it's such a perfect sport in that, like, like the way that it's just it's been around for what 1880. Years, like, it was like the 1880s it started, right? Right. So. Right around the same time as tango, actually, so, ironically enough. So, like, in that whole time, there's no measurement that has changed, and those measurements still work so beautifully that to run from first to second to try to steal that base is still so hard because people have possibly gotten quicker, but so hasn't people the ability of people to throw from home plate to second. I'm amazed at how like how perfect the sport is in some. When way. Adam spoke, did you see? Did, no, when, did you see how they run? They are chubby. They can, of course, they are not going to run faster because they don't do that. Let me tell you. Let me they tell you something. Hold on, hold on. Let me say something. A couple That's weeks changed ago, a bit. That's changed a bit. A couple weeks ago. That's why it's tango, Marcelo, because tango. Eggs, well, first of all, the, let's let's not even go there, Mister. I'm a fucking captain olympic over here marcelo okay motherfucker but uh <laughs> i didn't talk i didn't know i was talking to fucking schwarzenegger here but of course <laughs> I, I can run faster than anybody <laughs> there even me like with all my pants <laughs> look i actually started playing baseball a few weeks ago and i was because my we were thinking of like we're looking for a safe like thing to do socially with covid and my buddy and I, Jason, we started playing catch at the park. And then a couple of weeks ago, this guy came up and he had a bag of baseballs and a baseball bat. And he was like, oh, you want to like hit the ball around? I'm like, sure. And every week it's slowly been growing. And I was so that first week, you know, between pitching the ball, catching the ball, running for catches when the balls hit to you. After a couple hours, like 
the next three or four days, I was, I mean, I'm, I'm 38. Like I'm, I'm a little older. Like most of you, you're all like much older than me, but anyway, <laughs> you know, it, it get, it's, 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 it is actually faster. as much as you might think, look, if you've ever like sneezed while you're in an awkward position and pulled a fucking muscle in your neck, that's like baseball in a nutshell because you're standing around for hours and then something happens and you have to explode with energy. It's the easiest way to pull a muscle, to be honest, than if you're running down up and down a basketball court for two hours straight or if you're playing football or something. So my point is it does take some athleticism. It was a very long. It's the way most around. romantic of all this of all the sports. I, in my opinion. I still don't get the link with tango, but I don't. <laughs> I, don't I don't care to know at this point. I don't get the the link with the sport. Because <laughs> I, I I love idea. basketball, but I I can my love for it is so different than my love for baseball. My love for baseball is the drama that's involved in it. Marcelo. Well, I think, so... Marcelo. Yeah. And I think like a lot of like I understand Marcelo's mentality about it too because I any Turkish person would say that too about baseball. One, we didn't grow up with it. And two, it feels so slow paced to people who I well, don't think how, are familiar like our... with it. But that's how it relates to Tango. Uh, Look, Chico, like... you remember we went to the baseball cages last year and that ball came at you at a whopping 40 miles an hour and you thought you were going to like, your head was going to explode. Yeah, the yeah, balls no, in baseball come at 95 miles an hour. So double that. You hit a ball at 80 miles an hour and your hand exploded for two weeks. Remember? So yeah. Yeah, on the outside, course. Tango doesn't look like much is happening either. To the average, like most dancers who get into tango, they're like, you know, and I'm gonna do salsa or swing or hustle. Like they're they're really dancing, but it's so cerebral. And baseball is very similar. It's like when you're Marcelo, I was gonna say, I want you to come and play some baseball. Like let me just throw a baseball and you try to hit it with a baseball bat. And I think you will be very fascinated with with that process because it's it's the only sport, by the way. Where the offense doesn't have the ball. Right. It's yeah. the only sport. The defense I... has the ball, not the offense. You look at f- soccer, football. It's also like Marcelo, if you can, and, and maybe Chico to a degree, I don't know, but if Marcelo, if you try to, to explain to an American that knows nothing about football or soccer, um, and you try to explain soccer, which is such an important sport in your country, you try to explain that to your typical American, it's, you, it's so hard to explain to them the nuances of it mm-hmm. and, and, and the beauty behind it. Because like, most Americans don't even consider soccer a sport. They, they, it's, just, I mean, they, it's just not a thing here. It, it's well, slowly yeah. growing, but... Um, well, what but I it, find fascinating... I guess that's just a comparison, you know. What I find fascinating about baseball is that... Remember the one time we went to a game in Cleveland, Adam? And because every time I watch it, because I don't watch it that often, I need to relearn the rules. Because also, you may not... Throughout the whole game, some of the rules may never come out. But I was so lucky that day that, as you were describing, a lot of the stuff happened through the game. And you're like, wow, I can't believe this just happened because sometimes this doesn't happen in a game and stuff like that. So um, 
unlike other sports where there, I don't know, everything seems so much more square and out in the open with other sports that like you grab it with baseball. It's been for me like a bit harder in that sense, but I love the being at the stadium. To me, that's like being at a milonga. That is the connection I can mm. create between the game and the and tango because it feels like it really lives. Yeah, you're at a park. You're outside you're... at the park. It's amazing. I love it. Marcelo, we went to the Mets. I mean, I'm not a Mets fan, but I took you there it's because so you were fun. in New York. Yeah. It's a totally different experience. And I, I agree with everybody that baseball is slow. Like when I watch it, I'm I love baseball for the fact that I can like start watching a baseball game, go do a load of laundry, start cooking dinner, come back, it's only the second inning, <laughs> like leave again. Raise a family, come back. It's only the fourth inning. Yeah, but... <laughs> it's always there. I mean, well, it except is, for it... now. But yeah, I, I love the reliance on the fact that it's always there. But also, it. So if when like I watch, you know, highlights, I'll fast forward. But yeah, it it is slow. Like you have to have things to do while you're watching baseball. You're not just gonna sit there for three to four hours. But you can also listen to it. I don't know if you I can love listening, listening to good I, baseball I, announcers. I kind of did. Yeah, yeah. I used yeah. to listen to it all the time. Yeah, like it, it's so know, meditating. Landscaping and I, yeah, it's great. Because it's like you can do your work. You can swing yeah. and a miss, <laughs> and then there's like 15 <laughs> seconds of silence. Ball one, or they or they tell the stories about say... the players' lives and things like this. It's yeah. So, I, okay, I, I, gonna, I think yeah. you guys, you're not helping in anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to say this last thing and then we can, we should m probably move off of sports, but I just wanted to say to Adam, I think Adam would appreciate what I ha have to say because he comes from Cleveland and, you know, in Boston, we had an 86 year drought of no championship. And so many times we got close and we were right there. And we lost it. And that builds a certain level of deservedness uh, that like when it's when it comes, it's it's just there's nothing like it. And so like you get attracted to the the uh, Paul I don't have this and I want it. Paul, I live in a one bedroom <laughs> with my girlfriend and we have not much space and I'm literally sitting in the little corner of our bedroom where I have the newspaper on the wall, she has allowed me to do this, of the Cavs championship win of 2016 because it was 52 years before our right. city had won. And any sports fan, Marcelo, I know you, you're, a, you're, a, you're a plate guy, river plate guy. Like, we all can connect on this basic level. Like, when your team wins a champion, we all love this aspect of any sport. Totally, totally. And so I respect a fan simply for this reason. Whether I give a shit about your sport, whatever. But if you love and you're a fan and you support and you go, I go home to Cleveland every year except for now. And I've been to every year I go to at least three or four baseball games, one or two Cavs games, and one or two Browns games forever because that's just something about – Supporting your city, supporting the idea of the 
bullshit anyway. It's all bullshit, but you know, I don't know. It's just it's special. It's something to okay. have. Okay. No, I got you. I got you. Got you, Adam. I I really got you. I agree. I understand too. But still, I'd rather not talk about Red Sox. (laughs) Okay. Well, we weren't really talking about the Red Sox. We were just talking about sport fandom in general. But we're we're running out of time, everyone, because this only gives us three hours, and we have ten minutes left. Yeah. So, do you have a question for Paul, Adam? That's not sports related. Well, I would love to know how you got into tango. Well, I was going to ask a very related way of a very similar question. So let me ask it, and then he'll answer yours and mine together. And I did not kick Marcelo off there. He just disconnected, by the way. Paul, you said you got into tango because you wanted to uh, figure out, like it was about nonviolent communication um so how did you know about tango before like how did you know that that's what you would acquire through tango and at the same time you can answer adam's question as to how you came about tango well the nonviolent communication i think came you know it came later in the realization of, of like working as a group as an organizer that was a really important aspect of how I could grow. I see. So you person. were already in tango when you realized yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well into yeah. tango, yeah. Okay. Um, the way that I started was simply, it was kind of a fluke. I was talking to someone on the phone. Um, it was a new friend. You know, I was two years into Portland. I wasn't sure that I had found my people yet. And I was talking to this friend and she said, you know, I, I barely knew her two weeks. And she said, you know, I'm going to get off the phone and I've got some plans. And right before she hung up the phone, she said, hey, listen, I'm going to this Argentine tango thing. Do you want to come? And I was like, sure. And she's like, you have to be ready in like three minutes. I'm like down the street from you and uh, I'll come grab you. So she came and grabbed me. We went. I knew by the end of that evening that I probably do tango for the rest of my life. I, I, I just fell for it very strongly. I, I think that it, you know, having the background in, in breakdancing and being able to, because breakdancing, especially like popping and locking, there's so much isolation that goes on that mm-hmm. when I, when I was asked to learn, like keep your hips here and move your torso, that was very natural for me. I could do that. I could isolate things. And so I had already had a really good body, very strong body awareness. And breakdancing is so based on musicality. Everything you do is based on how you feel and then you move to that. And there's certainly rhythms within the way you would react to music, but it's, it's totally improvisational. And, um, so, yeah, I just, I, I, and I've thought a lot about this, and I, you guys know the, like, the five love languages book? Are you familiar no. With no. Say the it five, again, what's the name? The five love languages. 
There's no. five love languages. There's a book on it. And oh, five love languages. I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you said. I understood yeah, love five languages. languages. That's what I thought you said, too, I the five see. levels. Oh, sorry. Five love, love languages. languages. Yes. Well, I'm also not familiar with that either, so it doesn't matter. I've <laughs> yeah. Same a couple times in both times that I've taken it. Um, can you guys hear me? No, we're losing you. Wait, we're am I losing? Do you hear him, Chico? No, I was losing it, and now I'm back. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we're all good. We have like Please. four minutes left, guys. I'm sorry, I don't want to end, but the podcast will force us to shut down. I know. So you have to speak in fast forward. All right, I'll answer quickly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the five love languages are just ways that people love in particular ways. So physical touch may be the way that you receive love and give love. And for me, it was always, I've always my number one has been tied of physical touch and quality time, which... Mm makes so much sense as to why tango is such a perfect fit for me and why the second I tried it, I realized that it met a lot of my needs. Mm. Uh, so I think the five love language is based upon needs. And, uh, and so when I, yeah, when I started, I, it was very clear to me that this was something completely different. And uh, nice. I had I never had that. any desire to even do a partner dance, but it, it just uh, grabbed me right away. And I I didn't miss a practica for the first, probably for the first three years. Not, not one. <laughs> I believe you. Yeah. Uh, and I practiced constantly. And I wasn't fearful. I, would, I went to a Milonga the first, within the first five days, like down in Boston. Mm -hmm. It was totally out of my element. And uh, I couldn't care less. I, I just wanted to be I just went head immersed. into it yeah yeah that's great that's great I'm gonna note that book for myself yeah five love mm -hmm. languages mm -hmm. sounds like it would be a good read all right any other questions no I think that's all we have for tonight for well you. I have a Sorry. bunch but okay. we have to end the fucking show yeah me like, too I feel like either yeah. our guests are getting better at this or we're getting better at this but every week and late, late so Paul you know we used to start at 9.30 and we would end at 11.30 but that would turn into 12.30 so then we started at 8.30 which still ended at 11.30 and if we didn't have a time restraint we would probably have kept going anyway because yeah. It's so nice to just sit that's... and chat and talk to people and I mean right now yeah, and I, you know, I got to say No, I mean just so during nice this time it's... Adam cuz he 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 was amazing to talk, to listen to his everything and you he too. said and his music. Oh, thank you. I miss you guys tremendously. We will, you know, when this thing is all said and done, we'll get you back here. Absolutely. I can't. Yeah, wait. say hi to everybody there for us, and um, <laughs> we really—I—I yes, I, yes. I do believe—I do mean that. Like, we, I was really touched by your community there. It was. Yes. It's just everybody. You. Yeah, was, we've traveled, we've taught all around, and especially in the smaller communities, and there's always like some whatever. You know, everybody there was just really nice and great and supportive, and there was no drama or whatever. Yeah. Sorry, I keep saying whatever, but 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> Adam, at this point, if we were teaching, I'd be like squeezing your arm. You are. You're technically you're you texting know? me. That's that's why I did it. I was like because you started rambling, rambling. Sorry, well, not Chico's rambling. Up I'm not going to tell you how to say that properly, Chico, because you fucking suck. <laughs> <laughs> I love you too, Adam. I know. Well, hey, look, this is a, a technically a show, but it's still our goddamn me longa. So I will ramble on as long as I please. Absolutely, I'm with you. That's why I think the three hour limit is a blessing. Because <laughs> I think we would both, we don't know how to end things, so we would just sort right. of keep going. Well, thank you guys so much. Well, it, Paul, it, I really do it was miss an you. It's an honor both. to have you. And uh, Marcelo. And Marcelo, it was really nice to, to meet you. Yeah, we he lost, lost him. him. I think his internet oh, might have gone. He went to play baseball. Ha ha. Sounds like I need to yeah. t take a lesson from that guy. He's, yeah, point. I would recommend it highly. He's awesome. He's one of my favorite yeah, teachers. Yeah, great. Um, so thanks, Paul. Right, it was a uh, really honor to have you, and we love, um, you know, knowing you and working with you, and your sense of humor is great. I love, like, you're so, like, deadpan, Bossy and then, like, I can great. text you from across the room and tell you to go fuck yourself. And... <laughs> <laughs> Just the way I like it. That was the best. That was so funny. <laughs> it's too bad that Sydney couldn't join us. That would have been awesome. I know. I know. I, well, I texted him before the show because yeah. I was. He, I he doesn't normally listen, but I was like, "We're gonna have Paul. You gotta call in and say hi." But he doesn't have the earbuds that's, that's, right now. So. Yeah. But he loves you. All right, guys. I will tell you. Yeah, I will yeah. tell you that night, from him. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. I'm gonna pick a song to play us out with, and uh, we'll be back next Ooh. Wednesday. Chico, who's here next week? We have Gustavo Rimbert. Oh, he's gonna be our musical he might guest. Be our only guest. And we have Peke. No, we have Guillermo. Oh, we have Peke. Oh, we have Guillermo. Oh my God. What a weekend. What a yeah. weekend. Is that a weekend? No, it's a Wednesday. Oh, my God. It's a Wednesday. Oh, my God. <laughs> What's happening to you? <laughs> Thanks again, guys. Right. Let's, Pleasure is ours, Paul. <laughs> oh, thank you. What do we What do we play out with, Chico? What, what should I play? I don't know. I play something you heard recently. Oh, God. Oh, I have a song. Am I helping? Can I? Can yeah, I suggest something, yeah, Paul, please. Well, it's because Adam Tully was on, and he's a guitar player. I, I was like hoping that like he'd be able to like play us, like he was going to hang on and play a, a song that we could ask for because there's a my favorite song of all time is Apologia Tangera. You know that song? It's nope. a guitar song, orchestra, uh, uh, Typica. OTV? Yeah, OTV. I don't know. Where I um, I am it's looking. A, it's a guitar miranga. You must have. Yeah, one minute to find it. Or, uh, what's the name of it again? Apologia Tangera. 
I know the name, but I don't. I can't remember the song. It's a, it's a very well, old, old time. I have like. <laughs> Is that it? No. Well, that'll have to do because. Well, send us that song. <laughs> We're Paul, running so out of we time. Play yeah, it next send week. it to you. Send it yeah. to us so we play it next week at the start or at the end. All right. All right, guys. Everybody yeah. have a good night. I'm going to play this song. Good night. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, thank you, guys. Oh, that's great. I see them blue. Fine. And I think to myself.